whenever we would sit down in our living room and talk about these moments of building a better future for ourselves and finding financial freedom, it just sparked something in me of like of a challenge. I do have a lot of achiever in me, that number three Enneagram achiever of, ooh, there's a challenge. Let's go after that. Let's make our lives better for our kids and for ourselves. And real estate, to me, it was that avenue. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. We All right, everybody. This is the uh, podcast called A Better Life. I almost said this is The Better Life podcast. This is not The Better Life. This is A Better Life with Brandon Turner. And today with my co-host, Mr. Alex Felice. What up? What's up, Alex? I am uh, very happy to be doing this with you. I'm happy to be doing this with you. So we are here with our good friends. We're going to introduce them in just a minute. But first, we're going to talk story for a second. Talk story. So the name of this show may be Talk Story. It's a phrase that's often used in Hawaii culture, in Hawaiian culture, which we are not Hawaiian. So we are definitely borrowing from a Hawaiian culture term called honoring. We're honoring the Hawaiian culture, which the idea of Talk Story is like, let's just hang out and talk sometimes late into the night and let's break down all the walls between us and let's just have a good time and figure out who you are, who I am and who these beautiful people sit next to us are. So would you ask him, who are the beautiful people sitting next to us? I'm Lexi. And I'm Cameron. Coffee with Cam? Coffee with Cam, guys. Famous That's what we're doing right Cam. here. I'm famous for that. From TikTok. Mm-hmm. You're clearly known for your TikTok skills. Yes, people people know me worldwide. You've also done some real estate. Uh-huh. Okay. A little bit, yeah. All right. Well, I want to get into that. Before I do, let's start earlier in your career. You've not been in real estate. You've not been in business for long, correct? No, three years. Three years. Three years. And currently... What is your, I guess, like last year, here we are recording early 2023. Let's go 2022. What did you guys do like real estate wise? What did that look like? And then I'll go back and we'll fill the gaps. We did probably, let me think, off the top of my head, we probably did right around 100 homes, maybe a little bit more than 100 homes. Now, those weren't all, those weren't all flips. Those weren't all rentals. The majority of them were wholesale deals. So we probably did, if I had to guess... 55 wholesale deals, probably 30 flips, and probably 10 to 15 like burr deals, rental deals. That was 2020? That was your first 2022. year? 2022. That was this just this past year. Yeah. Oh, okay. I may have said the opposite. Did you yes. say 2020? I meant 2022 if I said 2020. Okay. Yeah. So that was last year. So mm-hmm. I just want to know, like, in a given year, what you're at. Like, you know, like, we've, that's, you're we've about 100 averaged a year now. 100 a year. Like, yeah, okay. since 2020, we did close to, we probably did 80. So you yeah. went from like zero to a, yeah. almost 100 yeah. right away. All right, so I want to get into all that, but before we do, I want to get to know you guys a little bit more. Love it. All right, actually, before we get any of that, I think one of the first questions I like to ask on the show is, what breaks your heart? In other words, what do you want us to support? See, on this podcast, every guest, we ask where they want the ad revenue from this episode to go towards. So is there a specific charity or a cause, just in general, that you want the ad revenue from the show going toward? Mm-hmm. And why? You got something? Hope Haven in Rwanda. Yes. we Tell us. Yeah. I, I used to work at a church, which we'll talk about that, but there is an organization there. It's called Hope Haven, and it is the best. We, we've 
being in the church world, have seen a lot of really great organizations, and this just is ahead above the rest. It's amazing. So it's a school in Rwanda. What I love about it is they're very, very focused on not allowing, like we've gone over there for vision trips, not mission trips, because they're like everything that we do here, we wanted to support the local community. So we want the teachers to be local. We want if people are working on this property, we want it to be people that we hire in the community. It's it's just an amazing school. Dude, have you, first of all, yes, we will definitely put all ad revenue from the show toward that. Have you read the book, The Very Worst Missionary? I have not. I've read When Helping Hurts. It might okay, be Okay, probably similar. similar. Yeah. Probably similar. So have you read Very Worst Missionary? No, but I'm incredibly okay. intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So The Very Worst Missionary is this great book. Is this this missionary lady who swears a lot, which is something you don't usually see in a Christian book. And so that she, but she's like the, the swearing missionary. But she's very funny and very clever writer. But she went to, I think it was Mexico, I think, is where she spent years, her and her family, uh-huh. down there as missionaries. And she just kind of exposes a lot of the... Now, I won't say scam. They're not necessarily scams. Sometimes they are. But just like the fact that a lot of times mission trips go down there and then you go build a house and they just took all the, the work from the laborers that could have done the work there. And now those guys are sitting there broke because yeah. all the Americans are going down to build a house for them. And it exposed a lot of that kind of... I was a missionary for a year in Belize. Mm. And that was very similar. It was a great organization. I believe they had incredible hearts yeah. in what they were doing, but they led trips down there. And it was, I was just on site and it was like trip after trip after trip, but it was to the same exact community every single time. And we did the same things every single time. And it didn't help the community. It actually turned the community into a community of people that were like, Hey, there's another group coming down next week. Yep, they can build bunk beds yep. for us, or <laughs> they can do this, or they're going to bring us food. And it, it didn't help grow skills with- yeah, that community at all, which Hope Haven is the exact opposite yeah. in every way, shape and form. So that's cool. Yeah, there's a... Uh, what were the names of the books? The one that I read was The Very Worst Missionary. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned When... When Helping Hurts. Yeah, and I haven't read that, but I heard yeah. that's uh, mm-hmm. probably less swearing, but Pro- probably the same concept. Y- yeah, same concept, yeah. where it's just like, <laughs> hey, sometimes, it, you know, we think we're doing something great, and yeah. we're not at all. Yeah, I think there's a... Uh, yeah, there is a lot of that in the Christian world. And, and I don't know if it's always even bad. I mean, like... Let's say you go down there and you build a house for a family, right? You send 20 or 30 Americans down there and they build a house. Now, the 20 or 30 Americans could have given money, cash, mm-hmm. given it to contractors. They could have built the house. But in all reality, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it requires going down there. One of the points that they make, and maybe this is similar to what you're saying, the vision trip, this woman in this book makes this point about it would be better usually for take all the money you're going to, let's say the mission trip costs $2,000 per mm-hmm. person. There's 20 people going. That's 40 grand. Go on vacation for $2,000 to that same town, yep. same village, stay in the hotel, order room service, get do everything, and just spend the same amount of money on vacation, have way more fun, and actually supports the economy, which helps the people and all that. So that's exactly when we've been over there. I've been over there multiple times, and that's what we do, where we're tourists there, and we're not helping at all. We're just seeing the need and the need being met by the the people of that town. And so it's it's an incredible place, an incredible experience. And the one ca- caveat, caveat, is that the right way to say it? Sure. I would say is with those, because I don't want to knock on mission trips, because we have I've seen so many people that they go and they help build a house and they're impacted and, and it cha- and, and all of a sudden it turns into them donating tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars and like committing their life to it. So I think there is a lot of amazing things that can happen from 100%. that. But if you do a vision trip, the exact same thing can happen, you know. Isn't this part of the problem with all subsidies? When you try to force some sort of economic situation, then there's some unintended consequences. I mean, projects are a terrible, you know, everybody knows what a project is now, but the idea was low-income housing. Yeah. yeah. And then it turns into, well... 
slums. Yes. So it's not like the government's any better at this either. Yeah. Like the government yeah. just throws well, money and they're like, here, fix it. Yeah, you had said, yeah. you know, oh, this is sometimes a problem of missionaries. And I'm yeah. like, this is a problem of anytime you try to, you know, yeah. subsidize something. Yeah, that's true. No, so, Alex, coming from outside the Christian religious sphere that we have lived in, how have you looked at that missionary? Have you, have you been, in, you know, seen it? Have you, are you pretty negative against it? Like, where do you come from? Nobody's going to like my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting um, That's why I coming, asked it, man. Coming that's from the outside... You know, proselytizing is one of the main tenets of the Christian religion. Sure. And it's one of my least favorite aspects because it sort of insinuates that you know what's better for somebody else. Sure. And maybe sometimes you do, but it starts with, and this is my sort of old opinion, it starts with like, I'm going to go to your place yeah. and tell you sort of how to live. And it comes with resources and people that help and it definitely can be muddy. And sometimes, you know, there's also, you go into poor countries and you tell them to stop using birth control and and these sort of like things that don't always help isn't what's always Mm -hmm. best. So I've come along along now. I mean, I think the majority of philanthropy in the planet is done by Mm -hmm. Christian organizations. I believe that to be true. So I've come a long way. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely, that's something even as I learn more about religion and Christianity, I pretty much, I do not proselytize. It's a weird concept though, because I 100% agree with you, but at the same time, I think that, so there's a story, there's a guy, Penn and Teller, they're magicians, I believe, and they're outspoken atheists. And one of them, I don't know which one, was telling the story about a time where at the end of a show, a guy came up and he gave him a Bible and he wrote him a note, basically proselytizing and saying like, here's what I believe. And he posted a YouTube video about it. And he said, essentially, he said, this isn't going to change my worldview. I'm still going to be an atheist. But he said, I loved this guy that came up and took the time to write me the note because he he said, if Christians truly did believe what they say they believe, that there is a heaven and a hell and that, you know, that people that are saved are going to go to heaven. He's like, I would expect every Christian, if they truly believe that, to be out all day, every day, figuring out a way to reach lost people. And And he ended the video with saying, one of the reasons I'm not a Christian is because they're not doing that. And so, I do think you can be overly weird and you can be like, it's such a weird thing because I don't know the right answer to that, but does that make sense at all? Like it does. And I don't want to go on this tangent forever. (laughs) So I apologize. But the one thing I'll say is in my life, when I was very early on, I met a lot of people who were Christian in name, but had poor behavior. Yeah. And as I've gotten, you know, had more life experience. And as I've actually, the most interesting thing is as I've spent time with more successful people, more mature, more abundant minded people, the people who I find that are the best Christians speak about it the least. Mm-hmm. And I find myself drawn to their behavior and then find out later what they believe. And that is a whole different sort of, that's a very new experience for me. And a very, that's a very enlightening sort of experience for me. So well, it reminds we, me of that. Do you remember that quote? I can't remember who said it. Maybe you guys want to know. But it's like, I think it was basically preach the gospel always, but when necessary, use, use words. words. Yeah. Right. And I've always loved that idea of like Love everything. That. Yeah. If instead of proselytizing, like, Hey, you're wrong. Like maybe you believe that maybe, I mean, I do, I do believe what I believe is right. You believe what you believe is right. You believe, or at least like some things in our life we believe are right. But if you just go and start telling people that they're wrong and they're, you know, that's not going to get very far. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just, Hey, this has worked for me. That's why I'm a big fan of like, of this is my story. Do what you want with it. Like, mm-hmm. that's my only proselytizing is just like, hey, this this is what my story was. So I don't know. Maybe yours is similar. I don't know. Yeah. And that seems to, if it, if it works, it works. It's not like we have to go and save everybody. So should we take out the segment of this episode of praying over Alex? <laughs> the, the, the tongues? Is <laughs> yeah, that, this, that a little weird? Exactly. Uh, should we take weird, that segment? <laughs> should we get that segment out? 
right, let's get back to your guys' story. So I know you, you spent some time working in the church, and then you abandoned all faith and love and yes. family and decided to just go into greedy money-making. Uh, so let's get into that story today here on A Better Life. You guys met in, like, high school, right? We Even earlier than second that. Second grade? No, first what? grade? Yeah. Cute. Tell yes. our love story. Do you remember his pickup line in second grade? was like, oh, can I use that goodness. crayon? <laughs> yeah, no. So, can you help me get this crayon unstuck from my nose? Yeah, Is that exactly. something like that? He seems like the type of tell, tell the story about nose. my dad. Oh boy. Okay. So his dad was my pastor growing up. I went to their church. Our families were friends. We were in the same friend group. And his dad brought me into his office one Sunday and said, "I have four boys." And I would like our families to be intertwined through marriage at some point. Her parents he, are this rich. truly <laughs> happened. This truly happened. He laid out all four boys. He said, I've got Carson. He is the Marion type. I've got Cameron. He's just for fun. And I've got Cooper and Connor. They're a little bit younger, but like they're not much younger. And they all go to the same school as you. So tell me which one you're most interested in so I can be praying in the right way. Oh, this no. actually happened. He and was joking. That sounds really weird for the normal person. <laughs> yeah, but so you guys did get joke. married. We, we, we truly did. did get married. And guess who I picked in that moment, though? Wasn't me. This Wasn't guy. Of course. Oh, I've guy. always been a 10. I was, yes. I guess he had me at fun. I don't know. But in that moment, yeah. So we, we cool go story. way back. It really is. It, mm -hmm. it might sound creepy in a way, but it wasn't. I picked Cam. At That's 10 awesome. years old, or I don't years, know. Yeah, Maybe I was a little old. So here's a question. Mm -hmm. Would you have picked Cam had you not visioned it out that day, right? If you oh, had picked another brother, gosh. could you have been oh. that brother? Right now, sitting on this couch here in Hawaii, would you be with another brother? <laughs> well, no. Right? Like, how much did vision, how much did saying that out loud right. guide that later on in life? I don't know. He asked the question. I verbalized it. Yep, yes, it, it's it, Cameron. It, and then it happened. Yeah. You're on yeah, to you're, something. You're skipping I'd, a part of going to prom with my brother, your sophomore year. I wasn't going to talk about that. <laughs> they did not kiss, I hope, if they did. No, no, I promise. Mm, that no, just no, happened. Are we getting an exclusive right now? Are we <laughs> finding out some new information? <laughs> yeah, I think we need to my have this conversation deeper. Uh, Lexi, earmuffs, Cam. Lexi, I'll walk just off between this, us. I'll walk off this podcast just right now. Just between us. Was there a little, little kiss? No, maybe like a little, no, like, no, no, hand, no, 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 no. A little close and bumping and honestly, grinding on the dance floor. God. We were no. texting okay. the entire time. We were time. awkward. Oh. We were so mm. awkward. Okay. It wasn't anything but. Mm. Lexi was wanted to go to prom, prom and she couldn't get to prom because I was at a different school at the time. Right. Yeah. No, I also so you was used my a... brother to get to prom. That's messed up. That is. I <laughs> now I I'm take hurt. that. I fully accept that. Oh. That was messed up. I was a sophomore. I couldn't get into prom without a date. All my friends were going. So and we yeah. were di we were talking at the time too. I remember we were texting all night that night. I I don't know weird. about that. Wow. I don't know about but, that. Wow. Anyway, how old are you guys? I got, we didn't even have phones in high school, so you guys are way younger than me. We're both thirty-one. Okay, yeah, seven years. I'm six years thirty. One. Thirty. Oh. No, your birthday was February seventh. <laughs> You're thirty-one. <laughs> Don't lie. Ouch, how's that, don't lie. How's that feel? People could Google you and find that out. I've known you guys a few months. This is the first time that Cam has been yeah, he just like best on Lexi. it. Yeah. <laughs> and Lexi has been wrong. Lexi's yeah, usually it's Usually I'm like, him. she He's, runs the entire operation and uh, he is 31. beautiful. <laughs> well, I just He's the beauty, I'm the brains, right? Uh, yeah. I'll go with that. Okay. I'll take it. I will take that. Has that always been the case or is that just the, the last few years? Yeah. I'm not the I'm not the beauty. 
Um, is she the brains and the beauty? And she the is. I am there for comedic relief okay. most of the time. I like the comedic relief. Yeah. It's so, a valuable role to play. It really is. Yeah. I 100% believe that. So. Uh, okay. So you guys got, you got, eventually got married. So we got, yeah. We, we did. Okay. We, we got married. I had just turned 21 and okay. she had just turned 20. 20. So like, yeah, just turned 20. And what was that? 10 coming up on 11 years ago. And we packed up the week we got married and we moved to Colorado. So this was in 2012 and I went, I finished up school at Colorado Christian University and yeah, we lived in Colorado for what? Eight years. Or eight so? years. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years. Um, yeah. you worked at a church then. I graduated from Colorado Christian University. I, then I did the missionary gig, which was basically leading mission trips. From that, I started working at an incredible church in Colorado absolutely loved the church and yeah, got to do that. I was, I did multiple roles there. So rolling in six figures there for sure. Oh man. Oh, I, for sure. I, Wait I, till yeah. you hear what I was uh, doing. 250. Yeah. Mm. I was bringing in at least 200, that 250,000 was my lowest year. <laughs> yeah, so whatever. No, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, divide so, that by $250 <laughs> yeah, a month two, might two, be more yeah. that That's more like it. Yeah, definitely closer. So, All right. So that's what I did. And then she, I worked at a barber shop. And I absolutely loved it. I cut hair. Do you still cut hair? I do. She was the best barber. Why are we we going to Phyllis? I mean, we love love Phyllis. She won. Shout out to Phyllis. We love Phyllis. (laughs) We love Phyllis. She's like Colorado's barber of the year. Oh, yeah. Some straight edge shaves. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so fun. Do you cut his hair now? I do, I, yes. But Lexi could come to us. Phyllis isn't going to come to us. One of our she biggest, won't come to us. Yeah, you could come oh, to yes. us. Yeah. I could, One yes. of our biggest If we were doing it together, though. she probably would come together. Like if it was like one after another. Two Dude, we just came deal. up with a real... Same we're place. batching it. Batching. Okay. We're like, <laughs> I mean like, not like bacheloring it, this but like we're, we're batching, batching our haircuts. Together. This is called okay. economies of scale. Yes, that's what that is. One, no joke though, some of our biggest fights have came when she's cutting my hair. Because I'm like, you're not giving me the same service you'd give somebody else. Like, oh yeah, you're 100%. Not, like she's yes. like, just, just turn shut your head up. Yeah, no. like, like, come on, Cam. No, give me the... Well, we're not going to get into it right now. Wait, no, actually I do want to get into that because I have this whole thing. I have this whole thing about you go to a restaurant where you know the owner or you know the waiter or whatever the case, the waitress. And so like, should you wait when it's really busy because they say, well, they're my friends, so they'll wait and still give me a tip? Or should you get better service because you're friends and it's like... When it's your wife, I think you should get better service. Mm. Really? You don't think you should get the leftovers from her day? I do me. get the leftovers. What do you think, Lexi? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not tipping her... You didn't I mean, tip I do, me. I, I try to. Sex doesn't count, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's not a tip. All right. Yeah. Don't pull that. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you know Heather actually got, cut my hair up until I met Phyllis, actually? I when think we I did here. know no that. Way. I yeah, think Heather, we've Heather, talked Lexi about that Lexi can before. cut your guys' hair. We've got all of the stuff. She's got like... I do I'm also that. not tipping. Uh-huh. Yeah, but we, oh, like, but we, like, we like Phyllis. I don't stuff. know about that. Phyllis is good. Phyllis is great, yeah. No, you should go to Phyllis because then you get the whole experience. If I come, it's just in the kitchen and, you know, it's not the whole thing. You need the big chair. You need the beer that they serve. The thing you you don't get from barbers, though. Does she sit in your lap while she's cutting your hair over? (laughs) No. Oh, it's the best. No, it's a thing. Heather will like, she's like, get in my hair. So she does come and like sit down in my lap. And I'm like, this should be a thing in the world (laughs) where like you go and get your hair cut. And your wife will sit in your lap while cutting your hair. Yeah, it's the, you've it's never the done best that haircut thing in the oh, world. Yeah. That would Sorry creep that. me out. No, it's so the greatest bad. thing in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody else doing it to me, but having your wife cut your hair, it's a very intimate moment. Typically, the I'm fight happens. I'm glad you had that moment. We have not had that, that moment. Yes. I want to encourage you next time you're cutting his hair. Uh-huh. It's okay. just a better angle. That's what I'm it is. Yeah, but I've no, gotten way less picky yeah. where now it's just like, just get it over. Uh, mm, you can see with my hair now. It's like, just 
just your hair looks good. In I and like out. it. I'm a little jealous. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Okay. I will take that. So we'll go from haircuts to mm-hmm. you got into real estate. How'd that happen? Let's go into that journey. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can do that. So I was a pastor and I was joking. I did not make anywhere near $250,000 a year. It was an amazing church, but we were living in Denver, Colorado, which at the time was very expensive and neither of us had high paying jobs and we were broke. We were literally paycheck to paycheck every single month. It was like, hey, how are we going to make ends meet? And we loved what we were doing and we were having a blast. We loved each other. We lived in a beautiful area. Skied 40 times a year. Yeah, it was. So we loved our lives. And so there was never enough pressure to change that, I guess. But then we had our first kid. So we have three kids. I don't know why I had to think about that for a second. But (laughs) we have three kids. We have a five-year-old Riley, a three-year-old Callie, and a one-year-old Cade. So we had one. One, he's yeah, one. he's one. A tank He'll be two in a few weeks. He'll, yeah, no, he's fighting with me. Today. I think a few days, right? April eleventh. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Yep. So coming up, he is a tank, though. Yeah. So we have five, five, three, and one. And Riley was born in November of 2017, and we were still like, once we had a kid, we were like even more poor because, you know, I remember we added up like we were paying for daycare, or actually we were paying for a nanny, and then we added up like what she was making, and after like paying for the nanny was like, you were making like two bucks an hour or something like that. And so all that to say, we were, we were stressed out because of money. And then when Riley was about a year old in the fall of 2018, we gave her peanut butter for the first time and thinking it was going to be a cute moment. I think you even recorded it. I I wasn't there thankfully because I'd have been freaking out, but she went into anaphylactic shock. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And so again, I wasn't there. So how old was she when she had that? She was about 10 months, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. Under eight. She was eight months. Eight or, yeah. So eight months old and started swelling up, stopped breathing. Lexi rushed her to the hospital. They EpiPend her, gave her, hooked her up to IVs and steroids. I don't know, mm-hmm. all, all this stuff. Um, but at the time when that's going on, you're not like pulling up your insurance card and seeing like, hey, What's where do I need network? to go? Yeah. So we actually took her to a out of network hospital. It was actually one of those like 24 hour urgent care type places. And I don't think our insurance covered that at the time. And so we got hit with, it was over $10,000, a hospital bill. It was close to $15,000, which at the time when you're paycheck to paycheck, that could be, they could have sent us a million dollar bill and it would have felt the same because 15,000 was just something that we could never have came up with. And I remember when we got that bill that night specifically, we were sitting uh, the dinner table and we were just talking about life and we were like, this is not the way that we want to live life. Every time we get a hospital bill or there's a medical emergency, which hopefully is not often, but medical a emergency. A car breaks down. Or we want to go on vacation. Like we did not have any margin whatsoever in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so that was the night that we decided we want to do something else. We didn't know what that was, but we were like, we want to figure out like a side hustle actually is what we thought of at the time. We want to figure out a side hustle to make more money. And so naturally I had heard this quote that's been floating around for years of like 80 or 90% of self-made millionaires do it through real estate. And so we had zero real estate experience. I have never picked up a hammer in my life. I'm the most unhandy person that there is, but my thought was, let's do real estate. Let's like that's do what it. everybody does. You guys didn't own your house in Denver. At we the time. did. So we did own our house okay. in Denver. So we had bought our house in Denver, but outside of that, we had zero. I mean, so I guess there was experience in just buying that and going through the mortgage process and whatnot. But. Yeah. I mean, that matters a little bit because I think that the process of buying your first house is a little daunting for most people. I mean, I don't mean to 
But yeah, just I was just it curious. gave us some confidence for sure. Yeah. That, that you do it we once, know you can how to do buy a times. house. That quote, by the way, I think it's Carnegie they always attribute it to, right? I think it's total actual BS. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's true in any way, shape, or form. Like, I bet you, like, I don't think we should discount it because it does get a lot of people into real estate. I just see how many influencers share that all over their social medias. And I'm always like, there's no way 90% of millionaires became that way through real estate. Maybe it's like 90% of millionaires own real estate. It could be that, but, but even that, I mean, Carnegie was 120 years ago. So yeah. even that was like <laughs> unlikely, but. It doesn't matter, really. It worked right? for us. It worked, Because right? I was like, I want to be a millionaire. Yeah. And I don't have any other uh-huh. skills. You know, I, I got to. So mm, if truth is a lie, but it produces what you need to get accomplished, is it okay, Alex? No. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> what if it's on social media, though? If it's on social media, then 90% of on social media is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> totally agreed. Uh, All right. Anyway. So you discover, you think real estate's going to be the way. What'd you then do? So I downloaded a book. Mm. <laughs> downloaded a book. This Can is you where the story gets is. good. Yes. All right. Lean forward, uh, everyone. Everybody lean forward. This is going to be the best part. All right. I'm excited for uh, this what part. What book? I have no idea this, this story. Book. What book? Please tell me. Um... It was a book by uh, handsome, strong David Green. No, it was not <laughs> David Green. It was not. It uh, was uh, no. I, I is it is it the Beginner's Guide to Real Estate Investing? Probably was the Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Real Estate yeah. Investing? Maybe, or it could be the book on rental property investing. I don't know. It was one of them. That it, was, was my it so much, Bible. He, he loved it so much he can't remember the title. No, That's it was really it was powerful. life. I mean, because because you talked about <laughs> you like building your portfolio, and, and you talked about in one of the chapters you talked about how you can become a millionaire and. Five years or something like that. Yeah, I think that's how to invest in real estate. Is that how to invest in real estate? Yeah, Josh Dorkin and I. Okay, I think Um, I think it was. Wow, that Josh, he's incredible. Yeah, (laughs) I really got the most out of what Josh. Yeah, but but (laughs) you you read it because I did listen to it. Yeah, you read it. I read that one. Yes, yes. Did you really? I didn't know that. Confident that you read a couple early ones. I didn't read the later ones. I think it was that one I read. You read it. Whatever. It might have been book on rental property investing. That's the big one that like that matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they're all amazing. They're all the best books. They're ever all written. the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously. So it changed our lives. So that was in 2019. So Riley had her episode in 2018, like the end of 2018 or fall of 2018. We were like, we want to do something. We don't know what it is. Listen to that book and was like, hey, let's get into real estate in 2019 is when we like decided to. So I started looking in Denver for properties, but Denver had became so expensive at that point. And you just couldn't make the numbers work. I didn't really know how to make the numbers work, but just from what you had taught me, I was like, it's not going to work here. And so we decided in 2019, hey, we're going to move back to Missouri, which is where we grew up at. It's where we met. We're going to move back to Missouri and we're going to invest in real estate. Is that because of real estate you moved back there? Sorry, Mm -hmm. Alex, I know you were going to jump. You moved back there for real estate. Yes. Yes, we did. I love that. Yeah. There's a book oh. by uh, Stephen Pressfield called Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be. And there's a whole chapter in there that just says, we interviewed him on the uh, mentor call for the Better Life Tribe. And we'll get him on the podcast uh, at some point soon. But there's a whole chapter. There's a lot of different ways that that phrase, the put your ass where your heart wants uh-huh. to be, could be played out. But one of them is physically move to yeah. the city. If you want to be an actor, go live in LA or New York. It's just like, everyone's like, oh, I can't find any acting gigs. That's because you're in Oklahoma. Like, I can't find any real estate deals. That's because you're in Denver. Like, so I love that you guys did that. You're like, we're going to make a life change because it's that important. So, and I kind of want to pull it up on my phone. So there's a letter that Lexi wrote me at the night we were leaving. Like she took me out on one last date night, which I should have been doing that. But you, you did that. <laughs> I got it. I got you. She, so like to all of my favorite places in Denver. So we went to like my favorite restaurant and we did our favorite things. And then at the end of the night, she gave me this letter where it was basically like, oh, I, I'm not going to get emotional talking about it now, but I have before where it's like, 
she just talks about how like, hey, we're leaving a place that we've fallen in love with because we had so many great friends. We loved it there, but we're doing this for our family. And like, I believe in us and I trust in us. And like, we're going to go, we're going to crush it in Missouri and it's going to be amazing. And this was three years ago when we had, we were literally, you know, our net worth was negative $60,000 where she wrote me this note and it's, it's unreal. It's, uh, it's on our wall that I look at all the time, but we decided like, Hey, we're going to leave Denver and we're going to move to Missouri and get into real estate. So you read this book and it obviously had a profound effect on your relationship, but you know, a lot of people talk about how do I get my spouse on board? So you go and read this book. What's the conversation like when you get home? You're like, hey, I solved all our problems. Here's what we're going to do. We've, I've never picked up a hammer, but now we're going to go flip houses. Also, we're moving across the country. Like, how does that conversation, and you're on board, obviously, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't ever feel like him convincing me. I was sold from the get-go. So maybe it is a little different situation. I had been listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast for a while at that point. Well, and well, like I, I read the book, and then we started listening to the podcast, and we were kind of all in. Yeah. So I always say media changes mindset, right? So like if you want your spouse, have them listen to the podcast. Like I've, I've probably heard that a thousand times from spouses over the years of teaching is like, oh yeah, my husband started listening to this in the car when we were driving and that's how I got into it. My wife was the same way. Like we'd listen to podcasts. Because I heard story after story yeah, yeah, after story, story of how it changed, changed lives. people's lives. Yep. All I needed to do was get the confidence to actually take the first step myself. And so whenever we would sit down in our living room and talk about these moments of building a better future for ourselves and finding financial freedom, it just sparked something in me of like of a challenge. I do have a lot of achiever in me, that number three Enneagram achiever of, oh, there's a challenge. Let's go after that. Let's make our lives better for our kids and for ourselves. And real estate, to me, it was that avenue in the beginning. Which one of the things she put in her letter was, are we going to live in Hawaii? Because that was always our goal. Yeah. Was, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We went here on our baby moon before Riley, we went to Kauai. Uh -huh. And when we left there, we were like, well, we're going to live here someday. Um, I wrote it as a question. I said, will we live in Hawaii? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> will we, yeah. And now um, you're here. And now, and now, we're, now here. we're here. And are you, are you living in Hawaii? Should we make this yes. public? Are you going to? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, we are. much quicker, but okay. So, <laughs> I like it. This is news. This is news to me. Yeah. This is news to you? We've lived here. We've lived. You've been over to our house multiple times. <laughs> Haven't we had this conversation? I've been over to somebody's rental that you've been <laughs> squatting in. <laughs> are you guys going to real? Are you gonna move here full time? Yeah. August yes. 1st. Right in time for Riley's kindergarten. Love it. In so August. excited. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have so much fun. Do you want to um, live in my backyard? Yes. Oh, my we might have there. to. Yeah. <laughs> <This is> <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to figure that part out. That's supposed to be my place. The whole thing, I was supposed to come out here and I was told Ryan we, to buy a house so I could live. Oh. We actually need, like, we need a compound bigger than, I got three units here. We need, like, eight. We can do it. We, you know that house you guys, and we all went and looked yes. up the country. You yes. guys went separately. Mm -hmm. there's oh, this, yeah. For those, yeah, there's this crazy cool house up in, like, Kula, which is up on the mountainside here in Hawaii. This old, I don't even know what you call it, Victorian. Victorian. I, don't know. I would Victorian, say Victorian, yeah. like, very Victorian, yeah. Yeah, like, 100-year-old house, which you don't get here. Just classic, huge thing. Probably needed a m couple million to work. Uh, yeah, was I was going to say five, five million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like I think they wanted four. Five. It was four to buy. But there's, there's, I think there's four to five houses houses on the property. Yeah, an outdoor kitchen. Yep. Oh mm. my gosh. It's yeah, nice. I think we'd Beautiful. be in the whole thing for ten, and then it's worth fifteen, twenty, At thirty. Least. You know, who, who, whatever crazy celebrity is going to buy it. Someday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it's taken now. Easy. 
Buzz, I'd flip we can that. figure that out. I'd flip that. That's yeah. the name I'd of a show. That. I'd flip that. I'd flip, I'd flip that. that. I bet you that is I'd the name that. of a show already. Yeah, we just don't know is. it. Yeah. Well, today we thought of the show on the flip side. And that that's a good show. Well, that's a good too. one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. A little pun. All right. So you guys went from like zero to hundred miles an hour very, very rapidly. I want to talk mm-hmm. about how before we get into the how, I want to get into like the mentality of that. Yeah. Almost everybody I know in real estate, myself included, I don't know about you, Alex, we can find out. I, I bought a house, worked on it for a while, sold it a year later, made some money. Then I bought a duplex and we scale up very slowly over the course of many, many years. You guys are just like, woo, like right yeah. all in. Like, <laughs> why, why did you do that? What was your mentality like? And I'll start with Lexi on that one. Okay. What was your mentality like to so do that? So it's interesting that you ask about mentality because mine has shifted so much from year one to where we are now. When we first got started, my mentality was... I will do whatever it takes. If I am the one in there swinging the hammer, so be it. If I am the one finding the tenant, so be it. I'll do whatever it takes to make this thing work. And that was probably the first year and a half. And then I realized, oh, there's people out there who can do this better than I can. (laughs) Contractors, project managers, property managers that can do this so much better than I can and so much faster than I can. So that is where my mentality shift happened. Probably in year year two, I started thinking, okay, let's get the right people in the right seats and get me out of doing these jobs that really other people are better at. But what's the mentality shift between somebody who is like, I'm cutting hair mm-hmm. to like, now I'm going to go, what was the first deal? I mean, how did you go from, you did, if you do 50 deals in year one, yeah, even if you that. do 10 deals in year one, that's far exceeds what most people will do. So mm-hmm. how does your mentality go from like, I mean, I don't mean to sort of insinuate, but oh, no. you're like, I'm just, I'm yeah, cutting hair. Absolutely. So like, we're going to go, crazy. we're going to go well, buy some houses and you had to be, I'm sure you had to be borrowing money. Yeah. So there's a lot, to, there's a lot of education runway here. I was just going to say, I personally wasn't discontent cutting hair, but I knew that I had a lot more to offer. So I thought, worst case scenario, if this doesn't work, then I go back to cutting hair. No, that's a really great point. Because that, that was one of my thoughts. We had, and I say this, we had nothing to lose. We were living at her parents' house when we were doing this, when we started. And I had taken a job in St. Louis as a pastor as well. And you were kind of 100% focused on real estate. Yeah, when I was full-time back. real estate at that um, point. But I wasn't making very much money. And it was one of those things where we had nothing to lose. And a huge, like, there was two thoughts, which just sounds so weird. And they're corny sayings that I had in my head were, like, one, bet on yourself. That's something that that I've always lived by. Like, hey, we're going to bet on ourselves. We're going to go all in and know that we can do this. And the other one is it was somebody's going to do it. Why can't it be us? Like, somebody out there is doing this. Like, why why can't we be that fairy tale story of... We can. And so... Dude, just that mentality of saying... Like, for example, in your market, was anybody flipping 100 houses a year? The answer is probably. Like, if you look at... And and this could be applied to anybody's situation. Like, okay, if you want to start a dog walking business, Mm -hmm. does anybody in the U.S. have a dog walking business and making a million bucks a year? Mm -hmm. Probably. Probably. Okay, then why not you? If it's being done, it can be done by you. Well, and I will say that, to give a shout out to my mentors, is I've got mentors there that are flipping 300 houses a year. And those were some of the first, and I just got lucky enough that I went to high school with them. They're a little bit older than me, but I'd reach out to them on Facebook when we first moved back and I sat down with them and they started telling me everything that they're doing and was one blown away by what they were doing. But two, I kind of like 
weaseled my way into a relationship with them and saw that it could be done. I think that's part of it is just like, it can't, like people are doing it. I have friends in St. Louis, our market that are flipping 300 houses a year. We're at 100, mm-hmm. you know? So somebody's doing it. Why can't it be us? And so we went all in, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about our first deal. Actually, our first deal was a flip that did not go well at all. We bought that in <laughs> the fall of 2019. And that was one of those things where I, again, though, this was just betting on ourselves where we had had Callie. Callie was literally, I signed the contract in the hospital with Callie yep. right when she was born, the day she was born. You I asked me about that deal as I was sitting in the bed nursing Callie yeah. and you were like, should we do this? And I'm like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, so, we should. This seems great. And it was not great. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not great. So, so I had, yeah, why, again, do you, why do you need my opinion yeah, when my hormones are like yeah. this? Um, so, yeah. But it, we so the, my best flip ever, by the way, I signed the day Wilder was born. We, really? we, we were in the hospital. We signed papers for it. So yeah. there's something to, that was my there's best. Something <laughs> that, to it. It was so, our, yeah. That was our first. So maybe it was our best, but it was also. Got us started. Yeah. I bought this. No joke. I had walked it, but I had zero construction experience, zero flipping experience. I didn't know how to run an ARV of a house or a rehab budget on a house. It was just one of those things where I'm like, I'm not going to be the person that talks about this and doesn't do it. I'm just going to do it. And so we we bought this house and in my mind I had it's going to be a 30 to 40,000 rehab. And our very first contractor was Kenny, Kenny. He came and he walked it and I was telling him everything I wanted. I was like I want to take out walls here and I want to do this that and he just stopped me and he was like this is going to be a $150,000 rehab. <laughs> Legitimately. We you already owned run it? the numbers as a $30,000 rehab yeah. and just got told by our contractor mm-hmm. that it was going to be a $100,000 Is this a w- what not to do show? <laughs> <laughs> well, so he gave us some advice, though. He was like, what I would do with this, because it was a house that was built in, I think it was built in 1894. We started with a 124-year-old Knowing house. what we know now, yeah. we laugh at um, that. Yeah. But- And he was like, once we start pulling out walls, there's going to be so many other things that are wrong with this. He was like, paint floors, kitchen bathrooms, like just do that. He's like, we're not going to take out walls or anything like that. He's like, we can do that for pretty cheap. Actually, he couldn't do it for very cheap. We ended up doing it. So we literally, we got an air mattress and with our dog, with Riley, who at the time was a year and a half old and with Callie, who was literally a newborn we moved into this house and we did everything. There's, I've got pictures of us flipping a house. Like we were ordering takeout every night and I was still going to work, but then coming home and painting, Lexi was there all day long, painting, refinishing the cabinets. And, and it was a super cheap rehab. It wasn't like the bathrooms were nice. It was just like new toilets, new vanities. I think we glazed the tub. Buy the Home Depot glazing kit that you just like to yourself. Did us. we pay some? I think we paid somebody on that one. I, I think did we, that. Yeah. It did not work. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think I've we never did pay glazed. Some, yeah, I think I've we paid somebody that. for that. But like, and there was, there was like, I couldn't get to the, have limitations, right? Right. <laughs> it, it was one of those things. Good like, I, your boundaries. I, I had a friend from Colorado that I flew out to do some stuff because he was just gonna. He's like, if you just buy my ticket and have give me a place to stay, I'll do it for free, which was cheaper than paying stuff. So I was just doing all these things to to cut costs, save money. And we ended up breaking even on that very first deal. Um, Met a lot of good contractors that we still use to this day. We learned a ton. If you you added in our man hours, we probably lost $25,000, you know, because we committed hundreds and hundreds of hours to that deal. Sure. But that was our very first deal. It's like a dollar an hour. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we made the, yeah, it was like, we did not make anything on that deal. But 
we learned so much in that deal and it was so much fun. And that was in the fall of 2019, which I don't really count that as our first one. Cause that was, I mean, I guess it was, but it wasn't good. So I don't like to talk about it, but I like to count our second one as our best one. There, there is something to say Perfect. though. There is a lot of people over the last few years who their first deal is like a hundred grand because the market's just been so right. crazy. Right. Uh-huh. And I actually think that is such a, Handicap is that the wrong word? I would word? say so. Yeah, like it's like a, that's the it's, perfect it's word. Such, yeah, it's a like this is a problem because now they don't know what struggle is. Yeah, like they don't know what pain is, and so it's like oh, it's always gonna be easy. And so I actually am a big fan of starting with pain and then. Well, and growing. one thing I would say to anybody that like is watching that wants to get into real estate or listening that wants to get into real estate, and what I tell anybody that calls me and's like, hey, I teach me about real estate. My biggest thing is like, don't try and hit a home run on your first one. Like if you do, that's great. But for us, we did not hit a home run. Like we struck out, but it was still, we learned the process. We learned to even like talk real estate. You know, like there's a part of it where it's like just talking real estate that I didn't know. And we learned how to do that. We learned to meet contractors. We just learned so much that catapulted us into our next couple deals, which our next one ended up being really good because we... The quick numbers on the next one was we bought it. This was actually a Burr deal where we bought it because I'd heard you talk about the Burr thing before. I thought you were like it was a multi-level marketing scheme <laughs> or like snake oil. You know, it can't be true. But we, we Do you bought, want to explain real quick what Burr is for those who don't yes. know? Yes. Thanks, man. I hey, feel this is weird. really a real estate show. I feel, I feel weird oh, explaining it to the, <laughs> branded, yeah. to, wow. to the guy who like made it mm. famous. Mm. Um, I think it's called like buy... <laughs> Remediate. Remediate. No, you guys, terrible. (laughs) Okay, buy, renovate, rehab. Already butchered it, man. There's a lot of R's. So, so the bird. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. Buy rehab rent. Buy rehab rent. Should have asked Lexi. I should have asked Lexi. Buy rehab rent refinance repeat. That's what we did. So we bought a house for sixty-seven thousand dollars. We put thirty into it, so we were all in for ninety-seven thousand dollars. We got it appraised at one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. So, and at the time, interest rates were pretty low, and we had a bank that was giving us, if the numbers worked, they would give us eighty percent LTV. So we were all in for ninety-seven. They gave us eighty percent of one sixty-five. So we were able to pull all of the pull one hundred and eighteen hundred. They, they were giving you eighty percent of what the thing was going to be worth at the end. No, not until the end. So we okay, used yeah, private yeah. money. Okay. And we bought it and renovated it. Oh, I see. Then okay. they sent out an appraiser, said it's 165. We'll give you 80% of 165, which, you know, came to, I think it was around 120. And so we were able to take that 120. We paid off our private lender. We put 15, 18 grand in the bank, which was more money yeah. than we had ever had in the bank at the time. And we still had a house that was cash flowing. I think it rented for 1450 a month. Yeah. And so we still had a house that was cash flowing about $300 a month. And we got done with that first deal and we looked at each other and we're like, this is amazing. Yeah, We need um, to do this full time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I legitimately think in the next, the next two weeks, I bought like eight houses. <laughs> yeah. So um, how did you, it, how did you scale like that? I mean, was it just a matter of like, I mean, is there a dial you just turned or what did you just do? Did it? Where'd the money come from? So we use, there's a great hard money lending company in St. Louis, Faster Funds Lending. We used them a ton. And they were really helpful too, because I didn't know what I was doing, but because they're local, they only lend to investors in St. Louis. They would actually physically send somebody out to every single property to walk it. 
they would run their ARV on it and they would come back and they were helpful to me because they would say, yeah, we'll lend on it. And they would lend a hundred percent of the purchase pl- price plus the rehab. Wait, a hundred percent of purchase price and rehab? Yeah. If you, if you got, if you bought it deep enough, cause they're not an institutional lender, they're sure, a local, sure, sure, sure. a local hard money lender. And so they were incredible. They were absolutely incredible to work with. And that also feels good because you have a second pair yeah, of eyes on it, was, it and you know, okay, this is a good deal. Yeah. The only flip I ever lost money on, my hard money lender told me not to do it. And I was like, really? screw you. And I went around and we got to find another hard money oh, lender. Yeah. And that's when I lost money on. Oh. That people, yeah, people look at banks as like they're the, or lenders as they're the bad guy. In reality, they're a second set of eyes. Oh, they yeah. were, because they did tell us on some, they were like, hey, we're not like going to lend on this. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy it. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we will um, run away. It was like, yeah. it was like free coaching in a way. So we use them Even a lot. Even though it's more interest. I liked that option yeah, for I getting started. They were at like 12 and three, but then we, we quickly found a private money lender that would lend as well. He was at 12%. Do you want to um, explain the difference for those who don't know between private money and hard money? Yeah. So private money lender is just uh, full disclosure. It's a, it's an extended family member. It's an uncle who came to us and actually we went to him and said, Hey, here's what we're doing. We'd already done our first one with a hard money lender. So we showed him like, here's the, like we buy it at this. We put this into it. We refinance. We're able to pay you back your money plus your interest. Yep. And then, you know, we're going to hopefully do it over and over again. And, you know, you make 12% on your money. So uh, private money lender is just somebody within your network that's giving you money. Yep. And then a hard money lender is usually a company or something like that that's loaning you money. So we did a couple with Faster Funds, which is a hard money lending company in St. Louis. Absolutely incredible. And then we did, then we started utilizing our private money lender and then over time, we were, I was posting on Instagram and we just had random people reach out that were like, hey, you know, do you need any sort of funding or anything like that? And so I was pretty good at raising money. And so I was using money from all these different avenues. I mean, we bought a ton of houses. And then, and then part, let's back up a little bit. Also, we started wholesaling. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that was a part of it too, where we were, we were adding a lot in our active income through wholesaling, where... I was buying a ton from wholesalers and I was like, well, I want to kind of, I want to find deals myself. And so just started buying from wholesaler or buying my own deals and doing uh, some of my own marketing. And honestly, I u- utilize like just my network to buy a lot of houses. And wholesaling um, being where you find the deal and then just sell it to another investor sell and make a to, little fee. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, keep, keep the best wholesale the rest yeah. was kind of our, our motto. And so. So what's the job split? between you guys and how did that was that natural was it did you have to work on it it was very natural and it felt like met in at 10 years old and then yeah. business works out it it's like so just natural. it was blessed. incredible somehow we had chemistry from knowing each other from when we yeah. were 10 but it did it rolled out really naturally i the way i can best explain it was cameron was starting everything and i was finishing everything so he was the visionary i was the integrator he was finding the deals. He was analyzing the deals. And I was doing everything after that, managing the rehab, deciding if it was a flip or if it was a rental, finding tenants. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way of describing it? 100%. Yeah. I, I essentially, my full-time job in up until, you know, honestly, recently was buying houses. That was all I cared about. So I was at mm-hmm. Every networking event in St. Louis, I was at every real estate meetup, anything that there was in St. Louis, I was there. I was meeting people. I was walking houses. I was probably walking anywhere from eight to 12 houses a day. Like that's all I did was I found houses and I bought them, analyzed them, put them under contract. 
And then once we bought those houses, I kind of handed that off to Lexi. So Lexi did an incredible job. She built up like probably five or six crews in the first couple months that were able to rehab houses for us. She started learning property management. She read your book on rental property management. Oh, it was my Bible for a um, long time. <laughs> but I would Heather buy a ha- majority of that. <laughs> she, gets all the, she gets all the credit there. Yeah. I'll tell her thank um, you. <laughs> so so I, I bought houses and then Lexi did the rest. Yeah. So while he was learning that, I was learning the ins and outs of a rehab. How can I get this done in two months and mm. stay on budget? I love that because I don't do that much real estate anymore. But when I did, I had to do all of it. And I'm very good at starting things mm-hmm. and I'm really bad That's how I am. at finishing things. Mm-hmm. I would have bought one house so far if my job was to finish because it would still be going on yeah. three years <laughs> later. Where do you stand on this? Similar. The reason I was so slow is because I, I was playing like golf by myself. You know what I mean? Like it was a mm-hmm. single sport, like yeah. a single player game versus like a team sport, like basketball, baseball, mm-hmm. whatever. So once I like, I mean, for years, I mean, it was me alone and it was me and Heather and it was me and Heather for 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, that got us to 30 some rental units. But it, what took us from 30 to 8,000 was making it a team sport. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all I had to do was the one thing or two things that I was good at. Uh-huh. And somebody else got to do the thing they were good at. And uh, yeah, with the couple thing, it's always hard. But yeah, Heather did the same thing. She like she just really was like, okay, well, if we're doing this, I guess this is going to be my part. And she just dove in and I just let her do her part. And as long as I didn't, try to like dictate how she does her part and she wouldn't dictate how mm-hmm. I did my part. That worked out really, really well yeah. for us. And I would say a, a huge part of that, all of this too, was finding the right mentors. Cause I was talking about yeah. the guys, Sam and Lucas, they're yes. partners. They flip 300 houses a year. They brought me under their wing. They taught me everything that they knew. I went out and bought houses for them for a while. And one of the things that I learned from them was like, yeah, you can, you can do your own rehabs. You can swing your own hammer, but you're not going to go very far. And so from the very first house that we bought, like we would do like we would power wash the sidewalk or something like that. But we never really did any work at all on the like we we had crews for everything. So from the very first one, we started building systems to be able to scale just because I had incredible mentors that taught me that. You know, I interviewed a guy years ago named Kevin Carroll over on the Bigger Pockets podcast, and I'll never forget what the, the the story he told because what he said was his first year he flipped a hundred houses, got into real estate, flipped a hundred houses because all his buddies were flipping a hundred houses. Mm-hmm. When I asked him like, how could you just like how did you even know to go and just like I'm gonna go build a hundred houses? He said, I didn't know that wasn't what you're supposed to do, right? That's a like, great, yeah, that's right? a great I didn't way to know say. because like if all your friends are doing that and that just do the same systems they're doing, right? Like you do what your people, what you see done. Uh, and so like he just approached it from, okay, well clearly, and this is where real estate I have found is such a, okay, I don't know, not even real estate, but just business in general, it's a dial. You just turn it up and down. And so you just find people who have it turned up a little higher and you're like, well, what are they doing in their life? So for example, like, okay, well, the guys that are doing a hundred flips a year, like, let me just ask you a few specific questions, you two. How are you, like, when I find deals, I would get a real estate agent they would send me a, a potentially deal once every couple of weeks. I would analyze it. I'd make an offer. And then once every three or four months, I'd buy a deal. That's how I bought two houses a year. How do you guys buy a hundred houses a year? Yeah. I have a very in-depth answer to this question. Let's if go. you want it. Sure. So we do direct mail. We have, we do cold calling, some text blasts, which is great. That buys us, but it only probably buys us 30% of our houses. What I have gotten really, really good at is I call it like in our Podio, we use Podio, it's a CRM for inputting leads and whatnot. 
I call it connector leads. And that's essentially from people just in my network. So property management companies. So I have every Monday, I send an email to every property management company in St. Louis. And I say, hey, if any of your clients are looking at selling their houses, reach out to me. I'm a cash buyer. would love to work with you. And when I first met them all, like when I first put them all into that email, I'd send them a handwritten note saying, hey, I'm a cash buyer. I'd put my business card in there. So I built relationships with them. By the way, um, did you ever guarantee them or tell them that you'd if you buy the property, you'll keep management with them or do, do no, I would care? never do. Uh, okay. I didn't, okay. I, I didn't do that. No <laughs> okay. real estate agents. I would do the same exact thing where and this just took like, went to every brokerage website in St. Louis, copied every single email, put it into uh, an Excel spreadsheet, uploaded into constant contact, would send out an email to every real estate agent saying, Hey, I'm a cash buyer. Here's my buy box. If I buy and it's, you know, if it's your listing, like a pocket listing or something like that, you can also represent me as the buyer so you can get both sides of the commission. And so send out an email like that. I would connect with every like junk removal company, every mold remediation company, um, and just keep those. It's really just a drip campaign where it's just an email or a text blast to all of them saying, hey, I'm looking for houses. I just want to be, anytime a house comes up in St. Louis that needs to be sold as is, I want to be the first person that somebody thinks of. And so I've done all that, bought a ton of houses that way. But I think the best way that I've bought houses is by almost growing a wholesaling team underneath me that aren't my employees, but there are so many wholesalers just nationally. They watched a TikTok or they saw a social media post about wholesaling. And how you Coffee with Cam. Coffee with Cam. Yeah, exactly. But they would, they would do a direct mail campaign and they'd get these leads, but they had no idea what to do with them. They had no idea how to run the numbers. They had no idea how to negotiate a deal. They had no idea how to, you know, put together ARV, rehab budget, any of that stuff. And so what I'm great at is networking. So I would start just finding these newer wholesalers, taking them out to coffee, take them out to lunch and say, hey, every time you get a lead, call me. I'll negotiate it for you. I'll, I'll run the numbers for you. I'll give you my offer and then we'll decide like how much spread you want. And then I'll go in, I'll try and negotiate it for that number. And so I had this almost army of wholesalers under me that were bringing me free leads. 24 seven. I mean, I was getting so many leads just by hammering the, the whole thing. And so that, that happened because I was at every networking event in St. Louis, I was all over the place. So what yeah. I saw happen after that kind of as a step two was you did what you said you were going to do to those wholesalers. So then once you've done one deal with them, they want to keep going. Yeah. And so it wasn't a one-time deal. It was, you did what you said you were going to do. They made their commission spread. and then they wanted to do that again and again and again so it started as a one deal thing but then led to several several deals 100 percent. yeah and you know we've never backed out of a deal before you know one of my favorite stories and how like a lot of wholesalers loved me was there was there was one specific guy who brought me a deal walked to the house with him the entire time the owner was like if i can get two hundred thousand dollars i'd be so happy i'd be out two hundred thousand dollars that's all i need we went out to my car and we ran numbers. My number came to $230,000. So I straight up, I told the wholesaler, hey, I'm at $230,000. Let's go lock us up at 200. And we did. And he made a 30K spread right then and there. Then he texted me afterwards and he was like, dude, you could have told me you were at $205,000 and we would have went up and, and locked the contract up and I would have made five grand. That was one of those, like, I'm always going to, I'm always going to be honest. I'm always going to do what I say, say I'm going to do. And we ended up being just fine on that one because I think I... Yeah, I think we made like 25 grand on that deal, you know? So I just got really good at buying houses, I guess. What I love about this and what I've been doing in real estate, it's 
almost never about real estate and it's almost always about people. Mm -hmm. And if you can find the right mentors, the right lenders, the right private money lenders, the right contractors, the right wholesale, like people all the way down. And then, you know, you can do a hundred flips a year. Yeah. Can you expand? You were talking, we were hanging out at the pool with our kids the other day and you were talking about the DISC, the D-I-S-C and how you utilize that to talk, negotiate, work with uh, sellers. Yes. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I thought that was a great conversation that uh, yes. I think people could learn from. Because it's not just real estate either. Like just knowing how to utilize personality and discussion with people. Y- yes. So, so for people that are listening, there's kind of four letters. It's the disc. There's a high. D, there's a D. There's an I. There's an S. And there's a C. D is going to be. This is just a really quick overview. D is going to be like a, a very dominant trait where they're typically like the CEOs or, you know, they're domineering. I is just going to be somebody that is very relational, somebody that's outgoing. S is going to be somebody that wants stability, is very family-oriented. C is going to be the more analytical trait, you know. And so I took a training, and I don't remember who it was, but it was on negotiating with people when buying houses, like according to the disc. And it was so helpful when I started walking properties and and buying houses from people. And and it wasn't emotional manipulation whatsoever, but it was just learning how to speak people's language. Sure. Alex is grinning (laughs) over there. He's got a... But anyway. Everybody's thinking, I don't have to say anything. (laughs) It wasn't. It was just learning how to communicate with people. Like, I I utilize it on Lexi all the time. Like, I know... Okay, well... But it's for any relationship. Like, so so for instance, for a high D, somebody that's dominant. I utilize um, it on you too. Yeah, and which is fair. Because I'm a high I. So, like, I want to be everybody's best friend. That, That Me too. So, if you want to, like, if you want to get to know me or... I don't know. Take advantage of me. Be my best friend. That sounded weird, but uh, <laughs> so so anyway. Let me go to this. So a high D, high D. If I realize somebody is a high D, really quickly, I'm going to let them feel like they won the negotiation process. So like, say my max level offer is at 150. I usually like to give people my max level offer just off the bat because I want to be open and honest. But with a high D, I'm always going to start lower than that. Because I know for me to buy a house from a D, they have to feel like they won the conversation. And so I'll start, you know, say my max level offer is 150. I'll start at 130 and know that I'm going to work my way up to 150. But every time they're like, no, I need you here. Like they're pulling teeth for me, you know, get to 150 and that's my max level offer. So I can't go over that. But for a high D, they want to feel like they won that conversation. They want to feel like they controlled that conversation. And I'm going to let them feel like that. With a high I, it's... Again, I'm a high eye. It's I want to be your best friend. I'm going to talk about anything but the house, sports, the weather, traveling. Where I'm, they went to high school. Where they went to high school. Exactly. Like I, I'm, and I get it because I'm a high eye. And if I was selling my house, I would sell it to somebody based off of my relationship with them versus the 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 price. You know, if the prices were close, but somebody else was higher, but I had a good relationship with somebody, I would sell it to them ten times out of ten before I sold it to the higher price, just because. I'm a high eye and I want to be friends with people. And so high eyes were, that's how I negotiate with them. With high S's, which is another, so I'd say like I'm best at working with high eyes and high S's. High S's, it's all about just the sentimental value, like the stability, like what buying their house, like the opportunities it offers them later on in life. But also like one of the things, you know how when you walk a house, if you see like a door frame and it has like 
their kids like as they grow up yeah, yeah, in yeah. that house. Yeah, I got that. Every time I see that, I'm like, this is a house I'm gonna buy. Um, <laughs> we've been, you're gonna we be their best friend. So many houses. Yeah. What? You're gonna be their best friend. Well, it, it, but I'm also I'm gonna cast the vision. Yep. Of first of all, Lexi and I, we're married. We have kids. Yep. I, I'm gonna cast the vision of like connect. Yeah, we're gonna connect over that, and then I'm I'm going going to cast the vision of like, hey, we're gonna honor your legacy. Like for instance, a flip we just wrapped up that was our best flip ever. The way that I bought that house was she was crying. She, her kids had raised had grown up at that house. She we sat down at the dinner table and she was just crying. She was. She had she needed to sell it, but she was also just sad that she was selling a house that her kids had grown up in. And I, I told her like, "Hey, my wife and I, we're going to come in here, and we're not taking your legacy away from you. We're going to honor it. And not only that, but you get to be a part in like building somebody else's legacy. Like somebody else is going to come buy this house, and they're going to have family moments and memories in this house. And like you get to add to somebody else's legacy in this house. And so with S's, that's the pitch that I give because they're very sentimental and they're family oriented." With C's, and I'm terrible at selling to C's because I'm the least analytical person that there is, but it's just a numbers game. It's like, hey, here's my three comps, and so here's how I came to the ARV. Here's the rehab. I'm at 70% or 75% minus repairs. Here's the number, you know? And so I, I'm pretty bad at actually buying from S or from C's, but that's the disc profile, like, purchasing. That is the, I've known you for a few months. That is the smartest thing I've heard you say yet. <laughs> By the it's way, very you, insightful. the house I mentioned earlier that was up in Kula, that really cool, uh, cool uh -huh. old house up in Kula. Uh, did you notice one of the rooms had the uh, the, no. letter, the the heights? Yeah, and they were dated back to like the nineteen teens. Like it was like oh. over a hundred years old of heights of their kids growing through the years. If that was, that was cool. direct to seller, we'd be buying yeah. that house. We would, so, we would have there it. There was an agent that yeah. listed it, but yeah. if I could get in a room with the seller, I'd yeah. tell him. I just thought how cool that would be to like cut that out. My aunt growing up, my aunt Lee. Auntie Lee, we call her. She had like a basement that went downstairs. And mm -hmm. so you'd like, you know, you go down to her basement, but the walls on the right, on the left, and on the ceiling, she had everyone who came to the house over the course of like 40 years that they lived there would sign their name somewhere. Oh. So like my my name was on there from when I was five years old, right? Like my parents' names, everybody. And there were thousands of names that covered it, little pictures that people would draw by their names. It was so magical. And then they moved and they just painted uh, over it. And well, I was like, I was like, I, just, I could that like five years ago. I was like, I, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Just to paint over 40 years of... So maybe they, they weren't high S's. Or... We, well, we cut, we cut out door frames a lot. Do you? And yeah. give it to the yeah, seller. Yeah, and give it to the seller. That's yeah, cool. We cut That's... out door frames a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so the yeah. question is, what's the door frame in your life, Cam? Ooh. That we need <laughs> to <the>... preserve. <laughs> oh, deep. So every speaker does, right? They have to pull out a, a metaphor out of mm -hmm. everything. But all right, guys, that's awesome. All right. So you scaled up very rapidly, built this big real estate business. And now you're trying to move to Hawaii. You're going to move to Hawaii. We live here now. You live here now. But yeah. You got to go back home and get some things buttoned up. Allegedly. Back, you got to go back to your former house and uh, button things up and come back. But what has that been like to run a business from afar? What lessons have you learned? And what do you need to do to ensure that you can live here and have it thriving there? Lexi runs our business, so I'll let her. So we so have the that. right people in the right seat. And it took a while to get there. But we also have systems, too, that we were able to hand over. And we worked on those systems for a long time. And then we found the right people to fill those seats, people that did do the job better than we did, kind of like I was talking about earlier. 
So what it looks like is a lot of Zoom calls. I check in with all the different leads weekly. We talk a lot every day and those people are running the show. They do a really, really good job at our project manager, for instance, does incredible. So I think the quick answer is having the right people in the right seat and then just overseeing it from a distance can be done now. What about lead gen? Because I know a lot of it is, you know, down in the pavement. That is the million dollar question because Lexi's side of the business has went so well. I mean, this quarter will be our most profitable quarter ever because of Lexi's side of the business. My side of the business has not been as good because naturally I can't be the person that's going and walking these leads, negotiating direct to seller. And so that has suffered. So that is a huge quarter two issue that we're, we're going to figure out. Are we, are the four of us going to flip houses in Hawaii? What? <laughs> that, that's what I'm yeah, I mean, if you're here, yeah. and, uh, um, it, it's a different game out here, but it, you know, just yeah. add a zero onto your profits exactly, and that's exactly. what Hawaii that's flipping it. is. Hey, I will take that. That's the million dollar question though, is uh, acquisitions ha- has definitely been down in quarter one, but it's also been with a lot of my, my buddies that are doing this back in St. Louis, it's down across the board. So there's a part of me that is like, how much is it us being here? And then how much is it just naturally it's, it's, it's down across the board for most of the people back, back home. That's a huge area of focus where I've got some acquisition managers that are on the ground there. I did not do a good job training people. And so Lexi did a phenomenal job with our project manager. Who's amazing. Lexi did an incredible job at training him and, and like working with him and like handing that off to him to where now he just does everything. I was a very bad leader in the sense that there were times where I'd bring somebody on and then I'd be like, well, I can do this better than you. So I'm going to take it back over, which is a terrible like trait of a leader where it's like, no, I, I need to let people fail and grow and get better. And so I did not do a good job of that. And that's a huge area of focus. Cause if we had a great, a couple great AMs on the ground right now, we would never have to go back because of, you know, the, the revenue that we're bringing in. And, and right now we still don't, but I just need to, I need to train a couple great AMs. Are you willing to take some marginal, how do I say it? Lesser amount of revenue to live here? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Is that, like, um, is that something oh, yeah. you guys have thought about talked about? Yeah. I think one of the things that at least for me personally, I have decided over the last year when we got into real estate, I've always struggled with like this because we, we scaled really fast and we made a lot of money really fast and built our, honestly, our net worth really fast. Where if I look and extrapolate that over a course of 10, 15, 20 years, we could, we could be really rich. I say that to say, I have decided that's not really what I want. Like, it'd be really cool. That'd be awesome. I think it was you. It might've been you. Me? that posted Uh-oh. a story <laughs> and it was i think it was from john mark comer's book ruthless elimination of hurry he talked about how he sits on his front porch every day and he drinks coffee and across the house is a house full of nike athletes that work out and he's like and they're chiseled they're jacked they're ripped and he he's like the my favorite thing is sitting and reading a book and drinking my cup of coffee in the morning it's like, I look at these guys, I'm like, I want to look like that. But then he quickly realizes, 
But for me to look like that, I would have to give up sitting on my front porch, drinking a cup of coffee and reading a book. And I feel that same way in life. Like the things that matter most in the world to me right now are my wife, my kids and relationships. Money is great. I I mean, it helps us do like things that we want to do. But at the same time, that is so much farther down on the totem pole to me where it's like, if I could spend every day just hanging out with my wife and my kids and building relationships. And I obviously, I love business. It's fun and I enjoy it, but it's just, it's way farther down on the totem pole. So to answer your question, yes, I would take a lot less money. It reminds me a bit of that quote. I heard Hormozzi say it for the first time, Alex Hormozzi, but he said, don't be upset by the results you didn't get, by the work you didn't do. And mm-hmm. so like with that, the fitness thing, like, you know, I don't have a six pack, right? Well, it's because I didn't do the work for a six pack. And mm-hmm. I'm good with that. It's actually a good level of self-awareness for us to realize, like, I'm okay not being that rich person. I'm okay not having the private jet, not having the six pack, because I'm not willing to sacrifice that part of me to get that result. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that, then you're not upset about it anymore. In fact, I think people look at, they look at those things and they're upset because they do not have them. But if we can just step back and say, I don't have that on purpose. Uh, and in fact, Alex, we were talking about that, right? So Alex is a visionary like I am. You always got ideas for business stuff. And and what's the kind of the, the thing I was saying was like, maybe it's okay to say, hey, for the next two years, I'm not going to do it. Because now you're managing your own expectations with yourself. And it's like, okay, I'm not doing anything right now. It's good. I'm just building this. It's very hard. It is very hard. <laughs> it is. Because, yeah, we feel like we have to live up to some expectation. But it's, if I was like, yeah, I don't care about a six-pack, all of a sudden then I'm not sad that I don't have one. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a, I, every day by one o'clock, we're at the beach with our kids. We're swimming in the pool with our kids. We're at the park with our kids. And like, I would much rather have that than anything else in this world. And I'd also rather eat dessert and candy than have yeah. a six pack, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, I'm you okay said with that, that. Like, on the way over here. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> Tonight, I literally did. I was said, like, mm. I was like, I'd I love. like food too much. Yeah. Can I add one other thing to this? And you know, Maui certainly helps, but nature makes life sort of slow down. And it really makes, I think just human beings, right? We, we we're, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be in nature. Yeah. And when we're not around nature, I think, you know, when you get into a city, especially it feels very, like anxiety riddled. And then, uh, you know, Maui is very easy to be in yeah. nature very quickly. It is. So I think that's helped me over the last few months, especially. It's like, hey, go for a walk. You'll feel better about all these anxieties about what you maybe think you should be doing. And it's like, hey, mm-hmm. it slows down a little bit. And you're like, I'm I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life is great. I have a couple more questions business-wise. And I want to move past business to get into your relationship and parenting Ooh. a little bit. First question, I want to talk to you, Lexi, a little bit. Because yeah. you are a woman in business and you seem to like that a lot versus my wife really as soon as she could get out of that she was like i just want to i want to homeschool i want to be with the kids every day so you're very different yes uh, can you talk about that a little bit how have you where have you found yourself as a mother mm-hmm. and a businesswoman how have you found that and balanced it yeah so for a long time i did have a weight of i am not going to be able to give my kids what they need if i pursue business For a long time, I had that weight on me. And at the same time, I had this weight of, I have this really strong drive and desire to create opportunity to provide for our family alongside Cam. There's this drive that I just can't turn off that wants to create things and see things have success, see businesses in particular have success. It has been a really long mindset change of, 
you can have both. I still have really great intentional time with my kids and those relationships are not suffering because I am chasing business success and because I have this drive of wanting to see achievement. I would say that, yeah, it's it, there just is this really strong drive of I want to see things through. Like we kind of talked about earlier, Cam's the starter, I'm the finisher. I have this desire to bring a level of some, I want to, I want to contribute to what we're building for our family. I also, I I don't want Cam to feel that burden all to himself of I have to provide for my family. And that's getting kind of deep and personal, but I do feel that I don't want him to have that soul burden. I also want to carry that burden. And I also don't want to be the one that is 100% connecting with our kids and they they go to me for connection and him for money. I want to share those responsibilities. And I didn't see that growing up. So it's really is a big passion of mine to split those pros and those cons, if that speaks to what you were asking Very about. Much. Very yeah. much. So how, how have you managed that? Let's go a little more tactical then, mm-hmm. is what are some of the things that you're doing right now to, and this is going to be a both question, but to balance work business life. Any any advice for people or things that have worked well for you right now with that? Yeah, definitely. I have to just shut it off. And there's never a good point to just shut it off. Yeah, there's real estate never ends. always emails yeah. that are urgent. There's always issues that come up that are urgent. But like, I have to be a good mom. I am a good mom. And so when I'm with my kids, it's intentional time. And I'm not focused on whatever matter is urgent. There's other people that can handle those things. Um, It doesn't always have to be me. So I think it's just the turning it off when I'm with my kids. I've tried the opposite and it fails miserably. I have tried to answer emails while I'm with my kids and it just, it doesn't always work great. The sad truth is that there's a lot of parents that are in the same room as their kids for 8, 10, 10, 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and they're with their kids for three minutes a day. Right. Because they're yes. they're on their phones. They're busy thinking about other things. They're not with their kids. They're just in the same room. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I have seen that with you guys is you're when you're with your kids, you're with your kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't want to miss a minute. Well, and, and I'll say this about Lexi, because she is the breadwinner in our <laughs> relationship and the better looking one and the better looking oh, one. My- but, and but she's actually more fun men. than you too. So. No, Did I'm you say take more that. fun? <laughs> I'm gonna take more fun. Oh, that's not true. I wish it <laughs> no, were, but but she she's the most selfless person that I know in the sense that for me I need I need my time where it's like yeah I worked really hard today I'm gonna go sneak off and just be alone or sit on my come phone. My yeah, exactly. I'm gonna yeah. come over to <laughs> babe. I gotta go to Brandon's where she she doesn't. She doesn't stop. She's up at 5 a.m. every morning working on our business and then straight to the kids. And, you know, like I said, we're by 12 or 1 o'clock every day. It's like full-on kid mode and playing with them and loving on them up until bedtime. And then after bedtime, like, she's hanging out with me and being an incredible, like, wife and, and spouse. And so literally she doesn't stop she doesn't ever take time for herself well not in a bad way but like you're just yeah i don't i don't feel like i I am um neglecting myself at all it's it's there's so much purpose behind each part of life right now that it it's so fulfilling 
She's a great podcast guest. She should do more of these podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Brennan. This ad is only for like a like five percent of the audience listening to this, but if that's you, you're gonna love this. Are you interested in a hassle-free way to grow your wealth? A place where you can earn strong returns without any extra effort on your part and lower risk. Well, besides running my podcast here and the Better Life Tribe, which you know 100% of profits of that go to charity, I also manage a profitable real estate investment company called Open Door Capital. You know, our main goal at ODC is to help you achieve a better life through passive real estate investing. In other words, we want to help you make more money so that you can live the life that you desire. Since 2018, we've acquired over $730 million in value-add real estate across the country, delivering exceptional returns to more than 1,500 passive investors just like you. And here's the best part. You can start investing in one of our opportunities right now because our team has diligently evaluated over 700 deals this year to bring you our latest offering. It's called the Texas 3-Pack. The portfolio consists of three apartment complexes totaling 637 units located in Houston and Austin, Texas. We're acquiring these properties off market at a staggering $25 million discount. And by assuming the seller's loan, we have secured a low interest rate of 3.8% for the next seven years. With that interest rate and the price discount, this investment carries less risk for investors, allowing my team to focus on creating value for you. Visit our website at odcfund.com slash better life to connect with my team and determine if this deal is right for you. Again, that's odcfund.com slash better life. Thanks for your attention. Look forward to potentially helping you achieve your financial goals with Open Door Capital. All right. So before we move on to relationship stuff and some kid stuff, we've already gotten there anyway, but let's have each of you, if you would, we're going to do a little experimental uh, acting here. We're going to call it. Okay. Uh, maybe that's the one. Okay, I've got a, I've got a little glass right here. This is actually a uh, time machine glass right here, and by it sitting here, you are going to be able to send a message back to yourself. Let's call it four years ago. You're making whatever thirty, forty, fifty. I was 000. making I was making thirty five. Thirty five thousand dollars. You are you got those that hospital bill. Mm-hmm. You're like this. This is a problem. I recognize the problem. What do you say to yourself? And then I'll ask Lexi the same question. What do you say to yourself? Not to change anything, but what advice or would you give somebody else maybe in that, the same shoes right now uh, that's there that you could tell them? So this is, this might sound like a cop-out, but how do I word this? I would say when we had that hospital bill, here's what I know. And this is not like to brag on us, but... I, I truly do think that like we have an incredible, like I love my wife more than anything or anybody in the world, except LeBron James every once in a while. But uh, <laughs> I, I know it. I mean, yeah. Here's the beautiful thing about like picking the right spouse is I knew no matter what, like if we're living in a car, if we're, you know, it broke, like I always am going to have Lexi and like we're going to be good parents, you know, like we're, like I, I'm not, I'm not really not that worried about losing everything because I know like we're still gonna have each other. As corny as that sounds, I would say that looking back four years ago, yeah, I think of somebody else in your exact you, position, and they're just like, oh, I need something different. What do you tell them? Do you have something? Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah, you go for it. You, you go for it. To? Yeah, I want, I want to think okay. about it. Don't give up. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes consistent, daily intentional action 
Mm-hmm. And it's all going to work out. So That's don't good. give up. That's good. That, that's really, I would, what drove me almost go along those lines. Like I said, something that I literally printed it off and I put it on my wall was bet on yourself. Like I knew and not, not just bet on yourself. That sounds arrogant, but like bet on us. Like we, I knew that no matter what we were going to figure it out, no matter what, I truly do believe that. And so I would say to like somebody that's in our exact situation four years ago is like, go for it, do it, bet on yourself. Like, like, you know, like I was saying, there's other people out there that are doing it. Why can't you? Is that what you're looking for? It is. is. I don't feel like that's that's a good answer, man. (laughs) There's it's very deep enough. Okay. That was good. Because the reason I asked that is. They they say you're your most what's that phrase? Rory Vaden said it right. He's like you're best at teaching the person that you were. Is the idea so like the person you were like like you know what that person needs to hear who you were. So a lot of times he teaches a lot of like branding and social media influencing this guy Rory. Uh, you've you've worked yeah. yeah so you know them so like the idea being like rather than I'm gonna go teach somebody I don't know anything about mm-hmm. it's like I'm gonna teach me five years ago or ten years ago. Like if I could go back and tell myself things, like I am the best person in the world to tell somebody who is in the exact position I was five years mm-hmm. ago. So that's why it's a, and I think this whole podcast will have a ton of that in it, but I want to give you one last shot at that. So good stuff, guys. Let's move then to what's working in your marriage. What makes you guys so good for each other and things so good right now? Are they good right now? I would say they are good right now. Please right. tell me I'm not alone in that. No, it's great right now. It's right. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? What are you doing that has helped with that? That's a loaded question. We spend a lot of time together, a lot of time together, and we have sex a lot. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So there's that. We do date nights okay. uh, a couple times a week, at least. We do date days. Like, Thursday last week, we wrapped up work at 9 a.m. and spent the rest of the day together we spend a lot of quality time together i think like the falling in love with your spouse like every day we do a really good job at that i think it's important to say though it was not always that way yeah yeah like our first year year marriage one two and three were rough (laughs) so going back to what i said earlier of don't give up that applied in our marriage as well why was it so rough in the beginning Well, one, we were young. We got married 20 and 21, and then we moved to a new state. We had new friends. We had new jobs. We had new environment. We had a new house. We could barely pay bills. But, like, we didn't give up. Yeah. And it it was not pretty. I would, I'm very ashamed of some of the things that you were pretty mean. I did (laughs) slash said in year one, two, and three. I think that contributes a lot to where we are now because we, got through all the crap we did and we're both escalators were both verbal and like said yeah just really not respectful things year one two and three wasn't great and that contributes to where we are now 100 percent. i think we learned a lot like in those in those really bad years we learned how to communicate we learned how to be selfless we learned how to like one of the things like you said we were both escalators we were we we both are high, like going back to the disc, we're both high D's where it's like, we want to win. Like we're, you said you were an I. I, I am an I, I'm a high side. You can be a high, you can be multiple things. You can't be good at everything. <laughs> no, cause I'm terrible. <laughs> it's C and my S's on the disc. I'm like at a 65 D hundred I 
in like five S and C. Like I, I love my family, but like the stability aspect of the S, I'm, I could care less. I love the instability. I think that's one of the reasons we've done so well in business is we're both very competitive, but we also would always want to win. And so like learning, like that's not great for our marriage sometimes. Like even today, Lexi lost one of our kids. <laughs> oh, I, I, was here, we, I was there for this one. I Let's think this. we have a witness. Brandon. No, no. So, okay. So here, let me give you the full story. We were having Easter at Brandon's today. And Lexi, at my church, what at my church? That one, or are you? It, about well, it was time? at church. We were at church, okay, yes. but we were coming over to yes, your house okay, yes. for Easter. And Lexi had bacon wrapped dates that she was making. She needed toothpicks for them. So, as worship started, Lexi was like, "We didn't want to bring the kids to Safeway because we got three of them, and it's a headache." And now the car. She's like, "I'm going to run to Safeway real quick, get toothpicks. I'm going to come back." And and it took her longer than expected. And then I was left on Easter Sunday when there's thousands of people walking around. Yeah, that's my bad. Getting three kids like out of out of childcare, and then there's a park there, and Riley's upset because her baby's gone, and she's freaking out. And I'm trying to watch all three kids, and then one of my kids disappears, and I'm freaking out. Brandon actually found Cade. I'm the hero. Thank of this you, story. Brandon. Brandon First, I want to know that I'm the hero um, of the. Do you know why I found him? Did I tell you that? No, I saw Wilder running like because I also was not paying very close attention to Wilder, <laughs> and I saw him running through the crowd of like you know a thousand people from the opposite direction that he was supposed to be playing. I assume he was at the playground, and he all of a sudden runs behind me, and I'm like, "Where the heck was Wilder at?" Uh-huh. And so that made me think maybe the little two boys ran off together, which I think exactly. So then I went, I went and walked the direction I saw Wilder coming from, and that's where mm-hmm. I found him. Well, well oh, and we had lost. Boy, so it was probably together. only six seven minutes but it felt like it felt like forever felt like forever especially when he's one years old but i say that to say all that story is is when we got into the car i was incredibly mean to lexi like (laughs) i was like i can't believe you do that you just leave me with all three kids on easter sunday there's thousands of people but i've learned like how to control my i didn't control my emotions but i i quickly within seconds i was like babe i'm so sorry i am stressed out because I thought I just lost a kid and I'm having anxiety and like I was scared and I'm taking that out on you. Like this has nothing to do with you. We're like waving to all the churchgoers. Yeah, Bye. as we're driving out, I'm like, I cannot not cuss. Wow, okay. I did not. I literally. <laughs> you didn't. You promise didn't. I did not. I was being dramatic. But, but like, but, like realizing at times, like just when I'm escalating, because I escalate a lot, I, it's usually revolves around kids, but it's always. Because of myself, if that makes sense. So like, sure. I was stressed out and I was pissed at myself for losing a kid for sure. seven minutes. Instead of being like taking responsibility for that, I blamed it on her and got mad at her. And so just really quickly realizing that. And within, I mean, it was probably within 30 seconds. I apologized. I was like, I'm so sorry. You did not deserve any of that. That was my fault. I should not have done that. I should not have taken my emotions out on you. Did that de-escalate you right away then? Or were you like, Oh, <laughs> you're yeah. right, you shouldn't have. And no, I was holding it together, <laughs> but I only had maybe 60 more seconds of holding <laughs> it together and then I was going to erupt. So uh, I think that's huge is just quick tip is learn how to make up fast. There's an old saying in war, escalation never leads to de-escalation. Mm-hmm. And so I think about that sometimes when I argue or bicker or fight with anybody because I'm very conflict oriented and I'm like okay if I get into this 
I have to know they might want to get into it too. Like, where am I willing to, where am I willing to go? So I don't know if that's useful or not. No, I think so. There's never a winner in marriage. Like it, there is a winner. I feel like when everybody's happy, there's a winner. But, but I'm saying like in an argument, if there's a winner, there's not a winner. If that makes sense. I've been really, we've been really good at that. I'm, I'm probably the one that escalates more because I want to win. And so like being able to realize like when I feel like I've won, I've really lost in a lot of ways. All right. So I want to now move toward the end of the show, but I can't get out of here without talking a little bit more about the parenting side of things. Uh, just a little bit. Actually, you know what? I actually, before we go to, we already talked a little bit about parenting. What I really want you to do is I want you guys to give advice on marriage and potential parenting, but to the uh, bachelor, can we call you a bachelor? To the unmarried, but maybe soon to be married sometime at some point, whenever you set up a freaking date. The fiancéd man, Alex. So what advice do you have in marriage for Alex as he ventures toward that someday target? Lexi. Well, you guys know Miss Kate. Miss Kate's amazing. She's You've outkicked your coverage. Which I feel like I have too, so... Yeah. (laughs) So Lexi and Miss Kate, just some backstory here. Lexi and Miss Kate are friends. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm good. I don't need to know anything. (laughs) You guys are going to handle it all. (laughs) So anyway, any advice on marriage for the guy who's going toward that goal? Yeah. Intentional time. So date nights for sure. Get me started, Cam. I've Uh, got gold. I just can't put words on it yet. And people know this, especially if like you value marriage the way that we do. Like your spouse is going to be, I truly do believe like the most outside of if you're religious or not, but it's one of the most important decisions you make in your entire life. And for me, there was a part of it where I just got so lucky where like you asked the question, like, how did you get Lexi on board? I never had to get her on board. Like, how does Lexi run a multi-million dollar company where I don't really have to do do much? Like, I don't know. I just got, maybe she can give advice to like the women out there of like, here's what you don't want. But like, I, I got incredibly lucky, but I also think that we have done a really good job at Every time we do get in a fight, and we we don't get we did get in a fight today because we lost a kid, <laughs> but we don't we don't get in fights hardly at all anymore. But part of that is because we got in the mall in the first couple of years. So the spouse is the most important part. Yes, and Miss Kate's pretty great, so he should be all right. She is amazing. Be all right. I think you're, you're already set up for success. Yeah, not, okay, if anything goes wrong, it's basically it's Alex's fault. So I here. I will say this story of my life <laughs> is is I pinch myself. Every day that I get to be married to Lexi, I, I legitimately do. Like I get I've seeing him, it's weird. He yeah, I'm just like I'm, on himself. You're gonna be married to Lexi. Yeah. You get to be, <laughs> but I, I truly am. I'm so so thankful, and I think that's a huge part of it. Is like there's so many people out there that like the grass isn't always greener. I know that. Like I well, I don't know that. Know that because I've never. <laughs> okay, how can we get this? Out? This whole like five minute segment has been useless. Yeah. If you right, talk. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't okay. know that, but I'm just saying. Lexi is the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I know that for sure. I think there's some value in just being eternally grateful every day for what you have and not letting a marriage grow complacent. I can't believe I said that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot there. That's what he was trying to say. Thank you. So I'm even trying to think of like one, a one-liner for like, this is it. 
Like this is the golden piece of advice for a bachelor going into marriage. There's so much. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, but like, Oh, I have, I have something that did change our marriage. It is a Christian like worldview. I was listening to a sermon one time and he talked about how people think in marriage that you guys should be perfectly aligned in everything and you, you know, should live happily ever after. Like that's the stereotypical like view of marriage of like, you know, we're, we're going to be perfectly aligned in everything. We're going to live a fairy tale, yada, yada, yada. And the pastor said, if you truly believe in like growth and becoming, you know, in this case, more like Christ, a lot of times you won't be that way because how you grow is being outside of your comfort zone, if that makes sense. Or like how you become more like Christ. How, be, how do you become more loving, more forgiving, less uh, quick to anger? It's when somebody, like if Lexi fully complimented me in every single way, I would never grow. Like, to be honest, there are times where she makes me angry, but I wouldn't have the opportunity to grow if she never made me angry. I wouldn't have the opportunity to be like, this is actually a personal problem that I'm taking out on. Like today, for instance, you know, we already talked about it, where it's like, this is a problem that I'm having that I'm going to take out on Lexi. That piece of advice changed my life. So like every time that I, which is it's very few, it's Lexi, usually Lexi forgiving me, but if I need to forgive Lexi, like it's an opportunity for growth. If Lexi is upsetting me in some way, it's an opportunity for for growth of like, I'm going to be selfless. And she probably has way more opportunity for growth in our marriage because I'm the one that's, that's screwing up a lot. But um, does that, does that make sense at all? Sure. Is that sure? I get that. You do? So do. that was something that I heard years ago that actually did change my view on marriage. It was almost made it more of like a game being a Christian where it was like every time that I was going to get angry or every time I was going to be upset about something, it was like, no, this is an opportunity for me to grow as a person where it's like, I'm going to learn how to control my emotions here. I'm going to learn how to forgive here. And so it, it turned like I'm competitive. So it gamified marriage, which it sounds really weird to say, but well, it's kind of like you go to the gym. It's the hard work and the, and the adversity that mm-hmm. builds the muscle. So in yeah. the same way, and, I don't know anything about that. Alex no. does though. And, 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 and a huge, this is why people who huge get part plastic of this, surgery it, don't it, like the way they, they're not happy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cause yeah, you gotta yeah, go and earn it. If we're going to be completely honest on this year three, we started seeing a marriage counselor because we were so fed up with each other. And part of that was we were 23 and 22 years old, but we were like, we have to figure out like how, and you talked about this, don't give up. Like we did not, like, we were like, we love each other, but we also kind of don't like each other right now. So we, we started seeing a marriage counselor and that changed our lives because he took us through like this wheel of communication. And, and like, one of the things that I was so bad at was like, is a, is being in marriage, you, one of the beautiful things about being married is like, you know, like the deepest, darkest parts of people, which can also, when you're a bad person, you can use that to hurt somebody. And at times, like we would use that to hurt each other or it's like, Hey, I know, I know exactly what will set you off and I'm going to use that right here to set you off. And so we started seeing a marriage counselor that took us through like the, like, here's how you communicate and do it, you know, respectfully and lovingly. And it changed our marriage. Can I tell a little story? 
I know you want to have them give me advice, but <laughs> you guys all got married at like 12 years old. <laughs> right. So what do you guys know about dating? Yeah, that's a great point. So before I met Miss Kate, I read this book that I will, if you're friends with me for any amount of time, you'll hear me talk about all the time, called Anna Karenina, this 1800s Russian philosophy. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's bleak and long, nine 900 pages or something, which is what I like. And it's about this woman who, you know, you drop into the story and she's, sort of dogging on her husband and then her family is telling her like yeah he's garbage you should leave which you know in 1800 russia's leaving divorce is not not that cool so it's a big deal and this goes on for a little while and then finally she finds another guy and then she kind of definitely leaves because she's having this affair and she's gonna run off with the other guy and so then she's happy and so because the book is written the way it is you, you think like oh she solved it but then you realize you're like i'm only halfway through this book so something's, something's coming and then a couple years goes by and she starts getting bored and she starts fussing and she starts fussing all the people around her. And then all the people around her are like, well, if he's a piece of garbage, then you should leave. And I'm, s- I'm making a very quick assu- uh, like summary of it. And then, so she kind of leaves and then the book ends, her, the book ends quite tragically. And the lesson is like the lie, the fuss, the venting or whatever that you do and the complacency and the thing that you're like, well, the grass is greener on the other side those sort of components become like venting to other people. Well, that becomes their truth. And then they tell that truth back to you. Like you said, he, was a, he wasn't good. So if he's not good, you should leave. And then you believe that truth when they, it comes back to you and then you act on it. And so what I learned when, with Miss Kate, I was like, I had just read that book and I was like, okay, I'm never, ever, ever going to speak ill. I'm never going to put myself in this position where I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm either bored or just unhappy or, or any of these things. Like, it's like just keep going keep going just keep going it'll work out i think at the beginning where we were just kind of chatting before we even started recording you might have recorded it where i was like i'm a 10 or something like that and lexi was like you are and you're like you're like lexi's and you made it made a joke about that but lexi has learned how to like speak my love language where she oh yeah she's been and, and she's so good at it she's so amazing at making me feel loved accepted oh no i'm not gonna do it I will do it. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Now you have to do it. No, no, no. So, so no, I just, no, this is, this is deep. This is like emotional. When I was 21 years old, I went through a period of panic attacks where, and I thought I was never going to get out of it. I was like, this is, this is my life. Literally, I was like borderline, like ready to, to be done. And I remember telling Lexi, like, I'm scared that I'm never going to be normal again. I was having panic attacks every single day. I was like, I'm scared that I'm just, this is it for the rest of my life. And I remember she like held me and was like, no matter what, I'm here. No matter what, like you, we are together and I'm here. And that's, that's been our entire marriage. Like, let's move to St. Louis and start a real estate company. Done. Didn't have to convince her. Like, let's do it. Let's move to Maui and figure it out. Done. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Like, I've never, she's always been, what was the, corny term ride or die like she she has always been that i'm your me. ride or die yes <laughs> <laughs> wow uh so all that to say i can't put it really into words sure well um, let, me, let me fire that at you lexi real quick mm-hmm. you know he's he's been very you know complimentary of you being yeah. his support right and that's good because yeah. like is there a reason you are that way besides just that's your nature to be a kind person because i know you're just mm-hmm. a kind person but are you reciprocating something that he's doing to you do you feel like like, where does that come from? Your like, I'm gonna stick with you no matter what. Like, oh where, yeah, where definitely. Where did that come from? I 
I don't know. I can't put words on it either, but I have been a Cameron fan since day one. <laughs> I'll and take we're that. going See, back that's and what forth I said. like really to my but no, I'm being <laughs> serious. Going. Like he has a vision and an idea. I'm like, yes, I can get behind that. I want to get behind that. He says, let's move to Maui. Yes, I'm 100%. Like what he's saying is true. And I don't know how to put words to it, but yeah, I have been a huge Cameron fan. In high school, it was the abs that got me. I did I'm not going to lie about that. It was the abs. But I mean. But now I don't have abs. We, so there's something else. We, we, yeah, we're not showing them now. I do not have abs. We've anymore. come a long way since then. And it's not just the abs anymore. It's much more than that. Do you think, by the way, do you think it was the abs or was it he showed the confidence. commitment and confidence to get abs? Ooh. It was the confidence this, but... to show them off. Yeah, okay. I yeah, show them there off. Is, no, I think there's something to this, <laughs> it was right? The confidence. So I've, I've joked this about beards, where a lot of women find beards attractive. And I always say it's not that beards are attractive, it's that in order to grow a beard, you have to be consistent for a long time, like years. And that appeals to the soul of a lot of women, is they want uh-huh. the consistency. Abs are the same thing. You do not get abs on accident. It right? shows consistency, it shows commitment, and it shows like a commitment to hard work which appeals to the biological nature of just humans saying, I'm going to commit to that. So that's why I actually think abs are attractive. I think biologically we're, we're wired to healthy people because it shows commitment to a hard thing. That's my theory. Definitely. 100%. There was a podcast I listened to that was from some, you know, billionaire CEO. And he talked about, which is so terrible, but he talked about how a lot of his employees are jacked, muscular. Look, And he said that, it's a little bit by design because that shows discipline in an area of their life. Like they are yeah. disciplined in this. And so if they can be disciplined in one thing, they can be disciplined in everything. I don't have abs anymore though. So that's, that's okay, not like babe. if you can dodge that's a wrench, okay. you can dodge a ball. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move toward wrapping the show up. But the few questions that we ask, I ask, and uh, today we ask uh, a lot of people. First one is this, what are three things and you can do three combined if you want. So maybe one of you have... You know, we'll be here for an hour. What are three things you've done in the past year that's given you a better life? So three things Ooh. combined. Each take one and one can be a group one or you choose how you want to spread out the three. The last 12 months, tactical things you've done in your life that has improved your life, given you a better life. Do you want to go first or I can, if you want to think about it? You can go first. Okay. So, and this is easy. We realized that we, going back to, to the whole real estate talk, we were doing a ton of volume. And we were working a ton of hours. So it was a lot of hard work. To do what we did, we were working probably both 12 to 14 hour days every single day. And we realized like we got into real estate to be able to spend more time together. And now we're making all this money and we're building a really high net worth, but we're not being able to really do what we want with it. And we realized we've built this monster, but we we can't control it. And so we made a commitment that we were going to work on systematizing that monster. And so over the last year, we have hired some key hires to help us out. And they've been incredible. And we use the disc to help with that, by the way. We've made some really key hires that has allowed us a lot more freedom to be able to spend time as a couple and to spend time as a family together. And so that was probably the start of 2022 that we started like really focusing on like, who are the people that we need to hire to 
get us out of our, for lack of a better term, like day job. And we focused on that. That was one of the things that led us to a better life, to let us to living here right now. That's good. Mine is going to be pretty simple, but I feel like it's a huge life hack. And that is waking up early and taking control of the morning, especially being a mom and doing business. My nights are not always straightforward. Sometimes kids are not going to sleep the way that I want. Um, And so waking up early, an hour before the kids wake up and brain dumping everything, all my to-dos for the day, getting them all on the whiteboard, sorting through them and just kind of planning out my day before it starts almost. So that's really simple, but that has been a life hack for me. Wake up an hour before my kids just to add to that, do you do anything the night before? Do you look at your schedule and you start planning the morning from the day before? Yeah. What I do at night is I schedule send emails. <laughs> so when I have to work late at night, sometimes when kids are already down for bed and that that's really straightforward and a quick tip, but like I schedule send emails to send out the next morning. So anything that's left at the end of the day, because no matter what, I have to pick my kids up from school at four o'clock at night. So if I have five more emails to send out and I haven't got that done by the time I pick up my kids, I just schedule send those emails and they send out the next morning. Those are really practical, straightforward tips, but yeah, it's time hack. And then a third thing, I don't know if you're, you do this as much as I do. And we actually picked this up from Rich Fetke, who was also Mm. on the podcast. Amazing dude. Loved him. And if you remember the very first Maui mastermind, he took us through this exercise where he was like, close your eyes and yeah, the future, you know, self. the future self. And one of the things that I do every single day is I go visit our future life, which sounds so weird when I say that out loud, but like I will have a cup of coffee and I'll literally go visit myself in 10 years and I will talk to him and we'll talk about Lexi and I's marriage. We'll talk about our kids and I, like I'll envision Riley at 15, Callie at 13, Kate at 11, talk about our relationship with them. We'll talk about health, business, and what that has done. Cause, cause obviously it's my future self. So everything's like perfect. I'm, I'm in good shape. I have a beautiful marriage. I have a great marriage with my kids. Our business is thriving. But what that's done for me during the day is like, in like real time is everything that I do is now subconsciously like through the, my future self lens where it's like the way, again, like the way that I respond to my wife, like that's through like, no, in 10 years, you and your wife still are madly in love with each other with kids. Like, no, your kids love you and they see you as a loving, gentle parent, not an angry, mean parent with business, like, no, you, you run a successful business. And then even with health, which health is probably where I'm lowest on the totem, like, but with health, it's like, no, you, you make the right decisions when it comes to food, you work out You're you know, and so that has helped me. And I, it sounds so like mystical a little bit where I, I even feel weird saying it out loud, but I go visit my future self every single morning. And that allows me to live a better life. That's the tone for the day. Yeah. 
Does that does that sound weird? Does it that does. make sense? It does. Yep. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It no, you're great. freaking weirdo. Weird. No, no. My uh, my I have a performance coach named Jason Drees, and he mm-hmm. always talks about operating in certainty. Mm-hmm. And the idea being, when you operate from a standpoint of I don't know what the future looks like, we'll just see this idea of like oh, I don't know if I'm going to succeed at this. I don't know if this business is going to thrive or my marriage is going to last. Then you're almost predicting and you're gambling with your future. And he he pushes this idea of like operate in certainty. Like I am. I know what my business is going to do. I know what my marriage is going to do. And then by having that, by getting in that frame, that mindset that says, I have an amazing marriage and I will in 10 years, I do, like it's, that's where I'm headed. Then you make decisions in a positive frame or a positive mindset, right? Yeah. And so now the decisions you make are because you're in the right mindset versus where the majority of the world operates in fear and uncertainty the future self allows you to operate in certainty that puts like what what i do every morning into like perfect verbiage like where i go visit a person that loves his wife loves his kids has a thriving business is healthy is happy and then i operate in that certainty of like that's who i am that that there's no doubt about that is who i am in 10 years and that's and because of that it allows me to operate in a different you know the different way and it leads to a better life that lines so much uh so well with what you say all the time about identity-based goal setting mm-hmm. i am i am yeah mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. Why in, yeah in the better life tribe we always start our goal setting with i am uh like who who are you and who do you want to be mm-hmm. and then setting goals around that and then setting habits around that so versus habits to actions to goals to you know who you want to be or mm-hmm. who, who you end up which is yeah. opposite of what i think yeah, and I, I created an I am list because of that. And there's a guy named Craig Rochelle who talks about yep. declarative statements. And every morning I read them to myself, like, I'm a great husband. I'm a great dad. Yeah. And sometimes it, it might not be true. But because I tell myself that every day, yeah. like, I yeah. act in that. I act, You know, like, I'm happy. I'm healthy. You know, yep. I act in that way. So yeah. That's cool, man. I love it. Hal Elrod in The Miracle Morning, which Hal's coming on the podcast soon. So is Jason Drees, actually. But um, Hal talked about The Miracle Morning where sometimes your mindset, your, like your mind, your subconscious knows your life. If you're like, I am attractive and skinny with a six pack and you're not. And your mind's like, yeah, this guy's a liar. <laughs> so he talks a lot about this idea or he mentioned something like I am becoming somebody, mm. right? And it's a little bit, little bit different nuanced way to say it is like, I'm becoming somebody with a six pack. Cause that can be an identity right now. Yeah. I am becoming somebody who is that's that? Good. Yeah, so that's I like cool that, that because if I if I in my head tell myself a goal, but I know I'm so yep. far off from that goal, yeah, you don't believe yourself. I give up. Yep, I give up. I'm, I'm becoming. Like, I like that. Oh, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. But the I'm becoming changes it. Let me ask I you like that a lot. Who are you becoming? Ooh, Lexi, who are you becoming? I am becoming. That's a really good question. A Hawaiian resident. Oh well, <laughs> a Hawaiian resident. <laughs> are becoming a Hawaiian yes. resident? A Hawaii resident who has great relationships with her kids and finds balance in the career world and being a mom. Cam, who are you becoming? I am becoming the only thing I care about in life. It sounds so bad because it takes business aside, but I want to be a great husband, a great dad, and a great friend in that order. And if business goes well, Steering that, awesome. But I'm becoming a great husband, a great dad, and a great friend. I love it. All right. Three books that have made a shift or a massive impact on your life. 
Rich you Dad, Poor Dad started book. me. Did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say rental property. And oh, no, that was, all of my books. Well, that was going to be my second. Okay. Because oh, well, thanks. But we should give you Rich Dad, Poor Dad your own show. No, I know. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And then this one, this one might sound weird, but story worthy. Have you oh, heard of this? No way. I talk about that book all the time. Do you really? I Maybe? absolutely love okay. that book. Okay. Yeah. Story worthy. Yeah. Matthew Dix. Yes. Mm. Love it is. I I got it on um, the best way I read books is with the audio version and the physical book. It just soaks yeah. in. I know. I've heard that way many better. Times. So I did that with Storyworthy, and um, yeah, he he sheds some great light on just writing down a story a day, and I think what a great way to one get content for yeah, that idea you know? of writing the lesson every day. Like yes. one, one lesson was life changing. Yes. Yeah. The idea being for those who haven't read the book, you should read it. The idea was, and he has a name for it. I can't remember what it is, but the idea being every day, just spend a quick 30 seconds going, what was memorable about today? Just a, a couple of keywords. Our brains are amazing. Our minds mm-hmm. can are these supercomputers that remember every single thing that we've ever done almost entirely. It's all stored up in here. Mm-hmm. And the way you know that, like you ever have like you're at the mall and you see some little kid and you're like, oh yeah, that triggered a memory from when I was seven. It's because it's still in there, but we have to unlock them and you unlock them with these keywords. And so I might say, I mean, just thinking today, right? So today we're recording this on Easter evening, right? Mm-hmm. And so like what? What do we do today? Losing Cade at church was a moment today, right? But that's a story. A I, yeah, it was not always a good moment, but I'd write down like, you know, Cade, Easter Cade. church, lost him. I might just <laughs> lost, right? And now yeah. any in the next 50 years from now, I can go back and be like, Cade, Easter, lost. You know, and boom, memory's back. This yeah. entire day is yeah. back. Anyway, so yeah. story worthy. Great. Oh, yeah. Book. Lexi packed 350 eggs for Kids. Yes, that was a lot of eggs. You <laughs> job. Sorry about that, guys so that eggs. had to hide uh, them. Yeah. For me, I would say one of my favorite books that I've read, it, it's called The Happiness Advantage. It's by a guy named Sean Acor, Acor. And it basically talks about leading from a place of happiness, like being, being a leader. So going back to like the disc or the Enneagram, like I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I'm a high eye on the disc. Like I love people and I never want to lead from a pace of fear. I want to like, I want to create an environment where the people around me love me and appreciate me and want to be around me. And so the happiness advantage, I love that book. Another phenomenal book, good to great, which I feel like is a, a lot of entrepreneurs like that. They love that book, but that book was, I love that book. And then I would say for number three, I love the ruthless elim- elimination of hurry. I think yeah, that's uh, John Mark Homer. He's written so many, um, what, what's the, not the garden of Eden. What's the garden city, garden city, garden city. I mean, I love John Mark Homer, um, Sabbath. Mm-hmm. which I think that's just so important for anybody. And the garden city is around the Sabbath where it's like, Hey, when you set aside a day to spend with your kids and with your family and to like to hang out and spend time together, it's so healthy for the rest of your week. And so, but same with like the the ruthless elimination of hurry. It's right along those lines where it's just such a great book. And John Mark's I, on my list as well for the podcast. Is he? Yeah. If he's I'm going to ruthlessly uh, attack uh, that um, guy until he agrees yeah. to come on the show. But I think that's that's so important for like marriage and for. Like, like I said, the things I want to be is a great husband, a great dad and a great friend. And when I can be fully present in those situations, that's, that's when that happens. And so that book has, has radically changed my life. Same. 
All right, guys. Well, that's all we got for today. Love this it. This has been, I think, our longest podcast to date. Uh-oh. And I mean that in a good way. How long has it been? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Who knows? But I do thank you guys for being here today. I'm going to let you wrap up with where would you like people to best connect with you at? Right now, Instagram. It's Lexi.houses, but you have a different yes. account than I do. Instagram so is you... by far the, the best way to connect with us. Cam, C-A-M dot Cathcart, C-A-T-H. C-A-R-T. That's going to be the best way to connect with us at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I never knew how to say your last name until you just said it right now. For real? I've just avoided saying your last name. Well, it's like Carhartt. <laughs> it's confusing, Cath but it's not Carhartt. Cath 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 yeah. I always wanted to say Carhartt. Carhartt? Cathcart. Yeah, Cath actually, my family owns Carhartt, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm a high eye. I want to be liked. So I will refuse to say anybody's <laughs> last name or even first name. First names, have if I you ever don't know you, Yeah, have I ever even said either your first names? I'm not sure. I don't ever Maybe want to screw not. up. I'm so afraid of screwing up a first name. I don't call people by their first name, even friends. Yeah. It's not true. So, 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 like, all right. no, 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 I love she's buying yeah, it. She's no, like, no, no, no. Is that true? Is, is, is a pastor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> on this show, I know them well. But. Is a pastor okay. one of the techniques? Because that happened all the time where I'm like, I, I've met you yep. 20 times, but I don't remember your first name. Hey, so what I would always do is I'd call somebody else over and be like, yeah, yeah. hey, oh, I do you it with guys, all the time. have you guys yep. met yet? And yep. then they would introduce their names, and I'd be like, done. Me and now Heather I've have got... a game we play. I'm going to reveal it to everybody right now. So Heather and I, whenever we go to any event whatsoever, and I get recognized a lot, and I never know, do I know this person really, or is this somebody that just knows me, right? So we have now, a game. Oh. Is if, I, if I say to Heather, you know, hey, this is my wife, Heather, or if I, yeah, no, 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 no. If I say this is Heather, then I will always introduce her to the person I know their name. If I don't introduce Heather, she will butt in and be like, hi, I'm Heather. Oh, and then they that's will good. always say their name to her. And so if Heather buds in and then I look kind of foolish, like, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm bad at you know introducing my ass. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody that listening to this might be like, hey, Brandon's done it to me. <laughs> he did that name. to me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know your name. That's why. But no, it's, uh, I, I get it because I do not memorize first names well. So yeah, same. that's it right there. All right, guys. Hey, well, Alex, where can people find about, more about you? Me? You. Instagram, Alex Scott Felice. Alex Scott. Is that your middle name? Yeah. Or is that your, like your first name? Second first. half of your first name? Alex. I told you, I told the kids today in the pool, I was like, they said, uh, somebody said, called myself Uncle Alex to all the kids. And like, why are you Uncle Alex? Because I'm obviously not any of their uncles. And I was like, <laughs> I told them, I said, my first name is Uncle and my middle name is Alex. There you go. That's and it. they totally believed it. So. <laughs> that is, you can lie to kids. Well, by the yeah, way. Sorry, I'm extending this a, a couple seconds, but one of my favorite parts about Hawaii is like going to the park and and kids calling me uncle. Hey, uncle! It's yeah. like it's and so, auntie. so endearing. Oh, it's I like, love being uncle, auntie. I'm like, yes, I am your uncle. Yeah. Like, I, I I will do whatever you want. Do you want snow cones? You want yeah. presents? Anything. You know what? I started because Hawaiian culture was very um, everybody's family. Ohana, mm -hmm. right? Is this term for like family and like we are all in this together. And so yeah, every other adult like female. Like, that's your auntie. And so, at the, yeah, at the grocery store, I'll be like, thanks, auntie. Like, yeah. that's what people say to, like, the lady checking out, you know, uh, the that grocery store. happens auntie. all the time at the Very park endearing. with yep. kids where they call me uncle, and I'm like, yep. done. I love Whatever it. you want. It's <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. I am all right, your guys. uncle. I so. love you both. Thank you for coming on today. I'm excited that you guys joined the uh, Maui Real Estate Mastermind back in the day, that we got to know each other that way, and that you are moving to my town and maybe even my street we got to find you a house up here we might even live you might even live in, in my in your house backyard. in my sea shed yes there's, done there's room for a bed that's my studio <laughs> <No>. <laughs> love it thank you so much for having us thank, thank you, you guys it was a blast 
And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brendan Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash best life. Abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.